There are over 1,000 UFO sightings reported around the world every month. 90% of these sightings can be explained, but 10% cannot. Officially and unofficially, the U.S. government has been investigating UFOs since 1947. Their top secret goal is to find out what's behind these unexplained sightings. The Pentagon classifies these as unusual airborne anomalies, but a better term is X-Files. Join us as Mac, Juan Juan, and Commander Cobra explore these unsolved cases, UFO incidents that even baffle the U.S. military. This is Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. And now, here's Mac Maloney. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Wow, what a show we have lined up for you tonight. But first, as always, we have to introduce the members of the posse. Okay, starting somewhere near the top of the food chain, girls, get ready. Time to break out your box of Kleenex, your tissues, because the very famous one one is here. Hello, Mac. Hello, girls. Hello, everybody. We're assuming they use the tissues for their tears of joy, well, right? You know, I'm, as I was saying, it sounded I, a little filthy there for a second. That's why I was trying not to go there. Let's move on. Uh, anyway, also on the line with us uh, from his secret location is. Uh, Equally famous uh, Coco. They call him Coco on the street. We know him as Commander Cobra. Commander Cobra. Good evening, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be with you. Okay. Wow. He's he sounds wicked good right now, doesn't he? Yeah. Why does he always sound better than us? I, I know. It's amazing. He sounds better on Skype than he does live. Yeah. Well, oh, I don't know. That's kind of an insult. <laughs> that might hurt. Coco, where are it's you? It's going to hurt when, he, when I see him. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I was, where are my sound effects? Wait a minute. I'll tell Kelly if you beat me up. What, um, oh, see, so that's all a need for Nurse Kayla to treat you, I understand. Yes. Uh, probably won't go down that road right now, but, you know, what is, um, where are you there, Coco? I am uh, forward deployed, sir. I'm in my uh, downrange location. Okay. Okay, you're in a minivan? They give you a minivan this time? Or are you no, actually, uh, cool? I got one of the Korean products this time. Mm. Okay, mm. we're the assuming Kia. you mean a car. Okay. Yes. And Kia. Yes, that's uh, correct. Also on the line with us is uh, our national correspondent, Switchblade Steve Ward up there in the Bowl of Flakes. Great to be here. Okay. All right. Great to be anywhere. How you been, Switch? Uh, beyond wonderful. Oh. Ooh. Beyond wonderful. Okay. You know, by the time we get through with these introductions, the show will be over. So, because we've got more to come. Anyway, Switch, the world wants to know, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Are you ready? We're ready. And a heaping bowl of sugar-frosted flakes. Yeah, okay, switchy. Same old switch now. Yeah. R whole milk? No. 2%. Oh. What, 2%? 2%. Okay, yeah. that's all right. Yeah, that's basically whole milk. You know, I think. But, uh, okay, all right, that's that's great. Yeah, how big? And, and did you enjoy them? I did. Mm -hmm. Did you wait for them to get soggy, or did you eat them no right away? Oh, no, 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 no. you gotta, you got to not put too much milk on them, right. and you gotta, got to eat it. got to uh, attack it immediately? Quickly, so that they don't get too soggy. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. I yeah. make it like my, as half my bowl is almost dry. Really, yeah, half, yeah, yeah, you're into the crunch. Okay, yeah. that's okay. I guess that makes sense. Also, in the studio with us tonight, as a special guest, the very famous Agent X is here. The guy who works for the agency, that works for the agencies. Oh, wow. Uh, one one is giving me... Oh, I'm sorry. All right. How's that? X, you were saying. 
Hello, Mac, and everyone, and ladies, and I will endeavor, unlike the others, not to say anything filthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank you very okay. much, Father. Okay, there you go. All right. Nothing that, ambiguous about that statement. <clears throat> that doesn't mean we can't think it, though. So, anyway, coming up later on the show, we're going to be talking to um, a good friend from across the pond, Ross Shop, about um, airships. Airships is something that, like, have always kind of intrigued me because before, I mean, it's kind of like an offshoot of UFOs, but like in the uh, late 1800s in, in the U.S. West, mm -hmm. and then later on, like in England and later on in Europe, people saw airships. I mean, they literally saw airships. Uh, but these, the, are, these are big, huge aircraft right. with uh, carrying people, large capacity. And this was before, like the Zeppelin was invented. Right. Let's say, okay, <clears throat> they were seeing Zeppelin-like, you know, um, craft, and, mm -hmm. and seeing like to move right across the country. And there's a picture of them, Lynn Item, which is still around. Lynn, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. is close to mm -hmm. us. <laughs> why, uh, of, why does that not surprise? Yeah, me? <laughs> of, of one of these airships going out over the beach. You know, I mean, you know, these days they would have shot it down. Ross is going to be talking to us about airships, and um, there's one branch of the airships where these things called the scare ships, which mm -hmm. happened in. Um, uh, in England in 1908, um, highlighted in the book Magnolia's Haunted Universe, still on sale everywhere. And uh, and then we're going to have 10 questions for JJ. Mm -hmm. Of course, we'll have a mystery guest. And um, also what we're calling our lifestyle segment, too, okay, with a mystery guest. So that's the show. Well, a lifestyle segment? Yes. <laughs> that's what we talk about, what's new in the movies and stuff. Oh, okay. okay. So. Okay. Uh, so, um, I don't know, we had this weird thing happen to us, and we're here off here, we're debating whether we should even, you know, talk about it, and only because... Well, if there's a debate, that means we're going to talk about it. Yeah, even though it's yeah. kind of embarrassing, we're still going to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, it's embarrassing, it, it, not embarrassing, but just really, really strange, really strange. And so, it, why don't you tell it as you remember it, please, and I'll fill in. Okay. Uh, I'll start off saying... We met for drinks like at 2 o'clock on Friday drinks, afternoon. That's right. We met for drinks on Friday afternoon at one of our favorite watering holes. No, and no, no. We went to the one that we never go to first, and then we went to the... Yeah. Wow. Maybe I should tell the story. I forget, forget what order. There was a lot of watering holes that night. We went to a, 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 a Riverside right, a restaurant. Different, a different uh, launching point. Right. Yeah, it was pretty good. Okay. And this guy comes up and just grabs a seat beside us and he's talking to us like he's been there for like an hour you know right just really not necessarily butting in but providing actually good content to our conversation almost like to me that uh yeah he'd been there for a while right, yeah yeah he just all of a sudden joined the conversation and and he yeah. was um we were talking about music and he was hitting us with stuff like wow you know and and turns out he, he was, was right he was that's right he was yeah. adding to stuff and we were looking things up and right he, he was right about everything right and he was really uh keying in on that's uh, probably our him interest. right now Just him calling Wanting me right now join the conversation <laughs> he's at the he's at the door <laughs> anyway um yeah okay go ahead please so it, it's like we're the best of friends for a long time and we hadn't met him before in our lives well, that, that so, happens to you two a lot. I mean, well, you, no, you guys wait have a minute. that congenial thing just, going I'm on, out. especially when you've been drinking in a bar. No, no, it happens to one of us a lot. It happens to the other never, okay? I just happen to be with the other one. But please, go Okay, on. so Max claiming it happens to me all the time. It people, does. People just gravitate to, you know, to me right, it, right out of the blue. I've seen it happen. You know, like uh, somebody else we know. Well, I was going to say, you know, <laughs> it's it's usually a, a, a barmaid or yeah, something. Yeah, I really right, get it. Right. I know. I, this is where it went wrong. It's just... So, okay, so I'm really establishing a good uh, f uh, relationship with this guy. Give him my business card. Tells he's a, he's a defense attorney. Yeah, he's a criminal defense attorney. Yeah. Went to Harvard. He, he uh, went, uh, so sorry. he says. 
He no, no, he is. I, no, he, he showed us his ID. He is. He is. Oh, his, his criminal that, defense that, ID. That, no, 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 no. He it's believe me. credentials. Correct. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because uh, as the story goes on, you know, chapter two um, involves that. But anyway, go ahead. So he, he was he was basically talking to us as if, like, almost like, as if we knew him, and you know, he knew what we were talking about, right. and you know, he's into the, you know, he was into everything music. we were into. Right. Yeah. It was that was right. But in between, but not all that, fake into it. He was really. He was into, really into yeah. it. You know, and. Um, but then, then he's, he's feeding the jukebox like crazy. Yeah, well, that was the first. Now that's the second place. Okay, so we're there for about an hour. Okay, and finally mm. it's like, let's go. Let's go down to base number two, which mm. is on the beach. Okay, yeah. the beach coma. So I said to you, I'll meet you down there. So yeah. I drive down, and um, these guys, you beat me in there, and I and because as I, went, I always do. I oh, I went home first because I live close by. Okay, so right. and I come back in, and there you, you're sitting there, and I look down there in the bar, and there's this guy, and I'm going. What's he doing here, man? And I look at you and you said, he came with me. <laughs> His car was being worked on. He arrived. Oh, you're going, you're going to the uh, BC? Great. Can I uh, tag along with you? So, yeah, okay. So I said, yeah, I guess. Okay. And he he proceeded to have a lot of, uh, I don't know. A lot of rapport with Tito, me. In Tito's vodka, too. A lot of, you know, by the bucket. Up mm, yeah. And he was, uh, yeah, he was really kind of um, the star of the show, you know? He was, you know, and um, so, <clears throat> and it wasn't like it was a deliberate thing. He was just gradually uh, intersecting all of our conversations and, right, and, and right. being the leader of the conversation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was not. It was not normal at all. Okay. And for, and I know at one point you turned to me and you said, "What is this guy? Is like, what you say? Is he tailing us or something, or is he listening in on us?" Or yeah. And then I thought, well, is he psychic? Is he? Did he just drop in from some planet? And yeah. All of a sudden, he's a uh, our best friend. Yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was just odd as he, hell. He had odd some as, uh, as... good paranormal uh, UFO content that he was bringing in. I wanted to bring him on the show. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're already getting his <laughs> phone number. <laughs> yeah. Several lawsuits might prevent that. We don't know. <laughs> so anyway, so now he's there. He's getting you know inebriated and, and, and so on and so forth. And the people down there who know us, the mm. staff, you know, they're kind of looking at us like, you know, Why I don't know. Why did you do this? Well, exactly right, and so anyway, so then we finally leave. We leave him there. We. I didn't know anybody knew him. Well, this is the punchline. So then the next night, Lois and so I, Lois and I go out on a Saturday night date down to the coma, and I say to her, "Once we get there, I got a story to tell you." And so we sit down, and I start to tell her this weird story. Right? Are you trying to impress her on date night with this story? I just, I just like to yeah. establish that fact. <laughs> If I did, it it went horribly wrong. Let me put it that yeah, way. Yeah, I just I know I know the ending. That's the reason why I thought I'd ask the, so, uh, so what the intent was. One of our bartender friends comes over to me and he says, "Did you know that guy here yesterday?" It was like the next night, right? right? And I said, "No." He says, "I've thrown that guy, that, this guy, that guy out here like five or six times." You know, I go, "You know him?" He goes, "Yeah, we're always throwing him out, you know, and and because he's a pain in the neck." And I said, yeah. "And what does he what does he do? He, he starts fights and stuff, right?" Was he just yeah? He gets into arguments with people, and, and and he's he's all over the place. You know, yeah. he's telling you what the weather is, and then you know what what happened when he went to Rome, and it's and then baseball, and Keith Richards. It, he's really everywhere. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I was waiting for him to tell me he's friend, good friends with Keith Richards. Oh, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I would have believed him. You know, That's the funny part, and he probably is. That's what's weird about it. You know, yeah. just such a weird guy, and and so. The bartender comes over to us and he says, and, I, and I'm saying, I'm sorry, you know, we didn't know we were bringing this guy in here. You know, I've never seen him in there before. He says, yeah, you know, we're, you know, we're sick of him. Everyone is just sick of him. You know, don't worry about it. And so but he pays his bill, right? 
I didn't pay his bill. Did you? No. Oh. no. I mean, <laughs> he pays his tab. I mean, they're, not count, they're just kicking I don't him out money, because I don't think money's a problem with this guy. I don't yeah. think money's a problem with us. Yeah, I think he's just, well, I don't know what it is. So anyway, so as soon as he's lonely. bartender said to, to us, hey, don't worry about it. You know, he comes in here all the time, whatever. I turn around, and he's standing right there. <laughs> he's standing right there. Like, it was like, you know. Like he just showed up. He just showed up. With, in, in, of course, Lois is, I've just told her about this, and she's there, her jar is open. <laughs> I says, here he is right now. You know? Oh, man. Wow. Wow. We couldn't get out of there. And he was with a client. He was with this woman. Was, but, you know, when you said that he's there, and you and Lois sees him, and yes. his jaw's dropping, I was waiting to say, he's our substitute teacher. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was yeah, saying this yeah. is like the uh, great, the, the great uh, imposter part two. <laughs> wow, he was everywhere. No, this, I kid you not, Cobe. Uh, switch. He, 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 it's weird, and, and um, it was just strange how it happened. It, at one point, it was just getting so strange that I remember thinking, what you know, why is this guy? What's he so interested in us for? You know what I mean? He was like almost like a bad cop in a way. You know, so now we when I used to, to be, uh, when I used to travel for doing trade shows all the time, and I'd be in some kind of far off place vegas or something yes or yes wherever i'd be kind of lonely you know and i like you know i like to gab and i you know i would butt in on somebody's conversation but i'm you know in vegas say but something you would join somebody's conversation well, there's a way to get your ass kicked buttoning on someone's exactly. conversation exactly. in vegas you, would, you know I, I have a way of uh, you know you do having the other person say something first oh really yeah so that's the key to the whole thing like help <laughs> All right, listen. Hold up, sorry. We have an expert here. Uh, uh, does this sound? Uh, you've you've been in this business of following people at one point. X. I'm addressing X. Does this sound at all? Uh, how does this sound to you? Well, independent of my background, as you well know, I'm well used to that. But in my case, it's always with women. Uh, you've been up close and personal. Right, brother. Same Four, here. Fourteen minutes oh, zero eight. And X is doing material. However, just. Given the ending you said, I think it's probably he was dis- precisely as described by the bartender. If it wasn't for that, I would say it would be a very unprofessional overt elicitation attempt for recruitment. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. We translate that. You're saying no way, right? He's could be anybody that's doing any kind of a professional job of tailing people. No, unprofessional job. That would be an unprofessional. That's what I mean. So there's correct. no way that he is, yeah. Okay. Yes. Right. Well, I don't know. Some of the stuff mm. he was telling us was very, very strange, and he just seems, you know, I mean, you run into people here and there sometimes, but they're never like this guy, you know? And the fact that he walks in with a client that he has just met, and he's going to you know, yeah, hand, handle her divorce, and, you know, I get a plate of nachos, suddenly she's eating my nachos, you know? <laughs> It was a disaster, man. We just got out of there. And he says, we'll discuss your divorce at my yeah, office. I, 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 my office is this bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Call me here. So, yeah. So, anyway, maybe he was an alien. If, if there was ever any t- any kind of, like, situation where an alien was, like, pretending to be a human, you know what I mean? That Maybe be like it, that. Yeah. You know what I mean? He just wouldn't. Wow. He checked off all the boxes, I thought. Yeah, yeah. But it was funny. I yeah. mean, I was ready to invite him over for dinner. He knew. Yeah. <laughs> well, quite, o- well. Quite, quite obviously, he wasn't. A, if he was an alien, he wasn't attempting to mate. No, no, no. He's well. He's. I think he's got a lot of things wrong. That guy, to tell you the truth, you know. But like, he knew what gauge strings Keith Richards used in the Some Girls tour in 1989, and he was right. You know, I mean, he had all this weird knowledge about everything. About things that we're interested strange, in. That was that was the interesting part. That means strange. he was a polymath. Yeah, he was a poly something. Poly, a poly what? Poly math. 
What is that? Well versed in esoteric subjects. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Never heard See, it. See, you don't talk. But he had personality about it. Surprisingly, that's not the uh, word for this uh, for this week. Yeah, the secret <laughs> word. Surprisingly, it's not. Well, why don't we do this? So that's uh, that's one day in the life of uh, you know JJ and. Yeah, you know, he could have been dangerous, and we just lucked out. That's what I mean, you know. But the bartender says, "Oh, we've thrown him out a few times." So. Oh yeah, he, they, he's well known to him, you know. And I, I, that's when I felt like a chump. I had to say, to him, "Hey, listen, I'm sorry." Yeah, you know, no, I had no, sh- idea no shots were fired during any of those times. No, no, what, what was the distance of the? Uh, from one place to the other that he came with you that far? From, from Michael's to the coma, probably. Oh, okay, okay. Three yeah. or four miles, yeah. maybe. Right, right, sure. Yeah. But yeah. he came with JJ, so that came with doesn't really matter on the distance. <laughs> yeah, his car was getting worked oh, on. It wasn't going to be I ready. That, I, that's, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, quote, no, unquote, he's had, up, he's had up close personal contact no uh, with JJ alone in the vehicle mm-hmm. that they transport. You know what that means? That's a, that's a completely separate form that has to be filled out now. Wow. You know what, you know what <laughs> yeah. I'm referring to. I do indeed. <laughs> really? And that car's probably full of fingerprints, you know? You never know. And but, DNA. So anyway, yeah, that was our encounter, you know? Strange things happen to us, it seems, sometimes, when we go out, and that was just one of them, you know? Hopefully what next, a way to ruin and not a one of us thought good that, date night. Yeah, I was I was writing to JJ at like six twenty five. He was. That I, night. I could. Yeah. You could see how as it was happening. Thing. Yeah. The only missing was video. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't have wanted to see the video either. It was, uh, you know, Lois was just not impressed with the guy. <laughs> We've all seen that. <laughs> you know, in the entire bar, she was probably doing way. this, right? He gets into an argument with this guy that has so many freaking tattoos. Okay, <laughs> and they're arguing about where R. Kelly grew up. Because he's going, can you believe, you know, some Southern band, you know, record with R. Kelly, he's from L.A., and, he, you know, and this, and this guy just says, R. Kelly's from St. Louis. And I'm going, oh, man, you know, I'm going to be in the middle now here with this guy. And they start yelling back and forth at each other, right? And really? Guy, yeah. Put, put on the crickets thing now yeah, about no, R. Kelly. No. Yeah, I know. No, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't R. Kelly. It was Nelly. 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 Oh. <laughs> put on two crickets I things. Get, you know, I get it mixed up all the time, so, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah. So it was like I could see I, – I can't see him starting a fight, but I can see him getting in a fight. You know, you know, you know what I haven't done yet? I haven't Googled the guy. Here's the thing. Hey, get on that microphone there. Here's the, uh, this is the punchline for you. He's from West Roxbury, yeah. this guy. Ah. He, he practically lived down the street from him. <laughs> the from two Matt. toilet Irish. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> so that explains a lot of things. Anyway, why don't we take a uh, ad now, and we we'll like be right to back. refer to that as 2WC. This is Irish, please. Thank you. <laughs> This is our Boston edition. Now, uh, you're listening to Mac Maloney's Military Expo Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We'll be right back after this. Do you know where the world's most secret bases are located? Do you know what spooky action at a distance means? Is there a conspiracy by aliens to prevent us from conquering space? And where is the best place in the United States to see a real UFO? Find the answers to all these questions and more in Mac Maloney's new book, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Visit places you never knew existed. The Hampton Tunnels of Tokyo, the UFO Trail in South America, Ong's Hat, and the very mysterious M Triangle. Mac Maloney Haunted Universe contains hundreds of reports on ghosts, haunted planes and ships, weird celebrity deaths, mysterious sounds, and a breakdown of every monster in America, state by state. You've heard him talk about it on the radio. Now get all of Mac's paranormal research in one large volume. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe, with a forward by the very famous Juan Juan. On sale now in your local bookstore or on Amazon.com.
Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Mill Track Style Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney in the studio with us today. Girls, get ready. The very famous one one is here. Hello, girls. Hello, Mac. Glad to see you. On the phone. Happy to with, be here. Uh, you say that so sincerely there. I am wicked happy to Thank be here. you very much. I live for this. Yeah, I know you do. Uh, and what happens after this. Yeah. So, but, you know, that's why it's radio. Uh, on the phone with us, Commander Cobra is with us. Coco on the streets. Good evening, gentlemen. Okay, we better to be with you this we, evening. We better. What what happened to uh, on the wing? You're not on the wing. We're not officially on oh, the I'm, wing. Oh, I'm on the wing. I, I'd like to you know save that for one more segment before I have okay. to come off the wing. Okay, all right. <laughs> and into the Humvee. Once again, I'm hearing filthy things, and I don't know why. Um, also, uh, switchboard, switchboard, <laughs> switchblade, Steve Warren. Yeah, on the switchboard. Hey, this is not switchblade, Steve. No, no, it's better. Uh, than- Switchboard is doing just great. Okay, that's good. We already have uh, established that you had a big heaping bowl of frosted flakes this morning. That's right. Uh, do you put sugar in those bad boys or you just eat them as they Oh, are? no, you don't, don't need to do that. Uh, you know, by the way, a friend of mine pointed out that, you know, how I, I talk about that John Keel has that catchphrase, ask them what they had for breakfast in oh, relation wow. to the reciting. Interesting. And I never made the connection. I, you know, are you I, no. asking me what I had for breakfast because you're you know, trying to delve into my uh, experiences? I don't know. Uh, uh, no, maybe. No, I, I think Mac is deep. He's not quite that deep. No, because thank you, Coco. I think. Uh, no, I just want to live vicariously through you. You know, through, I could, through his stomach. Yeah. Well, I, so yeah. many, so many do. Especially when he said, you know, the three donuts last week for I breakfast. Know, man, was... oh man, all I can think of is donuts. Anyway, also in the studio with <laughs> yeah, us tonight is, uh, is uh, Agent X, the man who works for the agency that works for the agencies. He's here. Hello, guys and gals, and Mac, thanks for having me. Okay. All right. So, uh, Switchy, uh, we're going to have uh, Ross Shop on later on. He's going to be talking about the scare ship. So, we were talking off here. There was a uh, number of, like, kind of weird landings across the country way back when. Do I have any uh, of them? Right. right? Uh, he's doing the scare ships. <clears throat> They're, uh, what, about 19? Oh, wait. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, wait. Yeah, oh, nine. Then there was the, uh, what, the ghost rockets came later, and the, uh, there's another one, the ghost planes, the ghost rockets. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there's these different waves of really weird stuff, but it turns out uh, uh, they're all over the place. And if you, you look around the turn of that century, about uh, 1900 and uh, up to 1910 and so forth, and even a little bit further, uh, uh, one of the great source for this is Albert Rosales. He has that uh, like about a 15-book series called uh, uh, Humanoid Encounters, The Others Among Us. And uh, they're just really, really bizarre uh, experiences. Let's, uh, there's, there's a whole wave of these things that took place in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And uh, about, uh, there was a, they call it the flap of 1907. Mm-hmm. And so let's go to April 20th, 1907. A guy named Walter Stevenson. He's out with his bloodhounds, okay? And uh, they've, been, they've been chasing down something, but he sees some object in the sky. It's off in the distance. At first, it's just a speck, and he thinks, oh, it's a, it's a kite or something that... Uh, got away. I, I saw a kite that got away once, zipping uh, across. I was on the shores of Lake Erie. Mm-hmm. We saw this little dot in the distance, and this thing was uh, had one of these heavy tails, apparently, mm-hmm. and it was windy, and this thing, we couldn't tell what it was at first. It was pretty cool. We were able to actually to catch it, but anyway, this thing gets a little bit closer, and uh, he, then, he, then he sees some kind of a strange-looking balloon, and as it gets closer, he can see there's some kind of a box or, or cab underneath. Okay. The thing makes a nice, smooth landing, Hmm. And uh, this is an area near Dykeman Springs, Tennessee. Okay. And some people come out. Now, these are actually from a uh, uh, some old newspaper accounts. So they, unfortunately, we don't get a, a good description. But the descriptions are several of these landings. And people generally say, well, they're kind of odd looking. 
you know, but we don't actually get, you know, why they're odd looking. But I, I guess they're human enough that mm -hmm. uh, he's not too freaked out. Well, it, it kind of, and by the way, as it's circling, he hears this music, these strains of music oh, coming wow. from it. That's and strange. He, and he's, go ahead. I know, I was just going to say, no, that's odd. And I was just going to say that, you know, airships, Zeppelins were the first airships, okay? And the Germans were... Uh, testing them and, you know, kind of putting them together in you know, two th uh, 1907, 1908, and so on and so forth. And then mm -hmm. we're talking about the scare ships later on. They were, um, when the scare ships were appearing over England, people, a lot of people thought there were Zeppelins, but at the same time, the Germans were testing uh, the real Zeppelins, but just on cords. They wouldn't let yeah, them go, yeah, you know, yeah. where they were flight of They were tethered. Tethered, right. Yeah. So, uh, so these things that they saw in England and then earlier in this, you know, the one that uh, Switch was talking about, and even earlier, people would see these things and they never really, um, you know, have no explanation for them. So go ahead, Switch, please. That, that's right. That's another thing about the, the phenomenon in general, if you want to call it that. It always seemed like it was a little bit ahead of what was really going on. Like you say, the Zeppelins were in their infancy. They were up there, some mm -hmm. of them, but not very many. Right. You're not going to see a, an, an, an armada of Zeppelins going across Tennessee, mm -hmm. that's for sure. Right, yeah. So uh, he said this music, he said, it, it to quote him, the strains of music were calculated to charm the spheres, you know, the music of the spheres. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful music. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it lands, he says, the, the cab is, is curtained with kind of a, uh, reflective substance, and when the as the clouds parted, the beam of the, the light came through, and it, it was very reflective. It's almost uh, almost like a religious experience. This thing. Mm -hmm. So these people, about half a dozen of these people, disembark. Now they're right by a spring, and they go, they kneel by this spring, and as as if they're praying. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he says to them, uh, once they're done, he says, "Well, who are you? What is your mission?" And he. This guy responds in German. Oh. Now this is a this is an area of Tennessee where I guess there is kind of a German strain there. So we want to go there, it. really. Go ahead, please. And and he says uh, uh, the uh, he asked him, "Did you pray?" He asked the man that's witnessing, "Did you pray with them?" You know, mm -hmm. and you know, of course he didn't. He's kind of dumbfounded by the whole thing. They get back in and they take off. And he says that the 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 music was was so impressive impressive it sounded like. It was uh, composed by angels mm -hmm. rather than mortals. Mm -hmm. So, okay. And then we go to the next day, April 21st, 1907, Old Spring, Tennessee. It's 3.30 a.m. This guy's up really early. It's, this is near Bold Springs, and he's going, uh, he's going into town very early, Saturday morning. He starts to hear this music from above. Then he sees the balloon. It's not, not very clear because it's, uh, uh, it's, it's dark. Uh, it's got one of these... Uh, 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 cars underneath is the way he described it. It's the car itself is strung with electric lights. It's very mm -hmm. bright, mm -hmm. and uh, it's got a spotlight that is shining down on a spring. And then they again, this thing lands, lands right by the spring. They get out and they do. They have some kind of a uh, like a ceremony or whatever. Like they're being very reverent, and uh, they're they're praying by the spring. Mm -hmm. Well, so any music. Music this time as well. well no, there's no. He just said that he he's not taught. Doesn't talk about if it continues or not. Mm -hmm. The report simply says that he was attracted at first by the music overhead right. in the air. Did they have any interaction at all? You just know? just in, in in all these cases, it was just uh, like like this next one. Her, uh, Herman uh, Schubert. This is the next day. Yes, uh, near Pleasant Spring. Uh, he lives on the edge of town, large farm. He didn't even know about the first one 
until quite a bit later mm -hmm. because the paper he reported it to, uh, you know, held off on the other one for about 16 hours. Mm -hmm. So there's no way this guy could have known. He just wasn't right. like he read it in the newspaper and copied the situation. Yeah, he comes be. up with a very similar experience. Couldn't be a okay. copycat, right? Herman, Herman uh, 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 Schubert. He's uh, it's like I say, it's 3:30 in the morning. Uh, there, uh, he's there with his son. And uh, his son sees this thing in the sky, and he's, he's, he, uh, he calls his dad. His dad can tell that he's frightened. He sees this another large airship, or they call it, they call it a strange-looking balloon. And, and again, we don't get a good description, but it's, the suggestion is that it's another one of these kind of elongated, dirigible-like things. And, you know, I, I think some of the scare ships he's going to be talking about had this same characteristic, where they had kind of the, uh, you know, like the, uh, like the Zeppelin, the balloon part, and then some kind of cab underneath, whereas some of the other airships in 1897 all seemed to be one unit but anyway they got out again toward another spring and, and none uh, of these, these things make any noise right uh no they, there's no report of these now some of them some of them did when you get into the broad uh Except for the music. You know, category of airships and so forth uh some of them did yeah uh, some of them were quite loud but these didn't seem to be making much noise uh, again there these guys are are and they're acting like they're on sacred ground. They're in silent prayer. Mm. And uh, once they're done, he, he this guy asked him, said, well, you know, they, they all ignore him except one. He's asking, what what are you doing here? And the guy says to him, thou, have you not you have not prayed. We will not, uh, do not address us. Hmm. So, and then he, he responds to them in German. And that kind of shocks him a bit because he didn't expect him to understand him. And then he said, uh, our pilgrimage is not yet completed. The world will know all in time. Again, these, wow. these, these patterns keep showing up. We're always told, you know, in time, you're going to know what's going on or things will be revealed. And, of course, in time, hmm. nothing's revealed. Nashville, April 26th, a few days later. A mail carrier, Asa Hickerson, he's going down this steep hill. Uh, during his rounds, he uh, hears uh, some weird chanting. And it seems to be coming from the. It's a, it's a distance away. It's very, very low. It's coming from the forest somewhere. He says it sounds almost like a weird funeral dirge. You know, we got this real high strangeness factor uh, with these really strange reports. Uh, Nashville, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, April twenty seventh, twenty second, nineteen oh seven. So you can tell these things are. You know, people are seeing these in different areas. There's a pattern here. Uh, there's a mail carrier named Asa Hickerson. Mm -hmm. He's going down this steep hill. Uh, he, he hears this weird chanting coming from the forest. It's it's uh, very faint at first. He says it sounds like a weird funeral dirge. Uh, his horse becomes restless, and then another, another one of these crafts show up, the, the, the dirigible-like uh, balloon and the, the car underneath. Uh, it lands. The people disembark. They congregate around the mouth, this time, of an abandoned oil well. One of them has a staff. He waves the staff in the air and then plunges it in three times in the well. He... Then they, he, he pulls it out. They light this thing. It's like they're having some kind of crazy ceremony. Yes. And Hickerson says, you know, once they're done, he says, what are you doing here? And all that this man says, be healthy and pray. So it's almost like we've Good got advice. Uh, some, uh, I, I don't know, religious zealots going around, flying around in, uh, in uh, strange Zeppelin-like craft. Mm. doesn't make any sense. No. But and, so and, and, and speaking German. And speaking yes. Yes, Zeit, exactly. Zeit, Zeit gesund und beaten. And, that means and be also, healthy and pray. Yeah, okay. 
they're speaking German in some areas where German is spoken in right. this area, right, which is right. kind of interesting. What a coincidence. But also, we, like I say, they have the, the Jacques Follet, uh, the phenomenon negates itself. Some of the stuff is so bizarre mm -hmm. that it, it kind of it, uh, negates itself because how can this possibly be true right. on any level? But okay. I just got to ask Cobra something in, in the two yes. minutes we have left. Is there any way, and when I hear these other uh, airship stories, it's starting in San Francisco, and they literally, the newspapers right across the country to Lynn, Massachusetts, like six months later. It's like they made their way across the country. Is there any way that, you know, some Jules Verne type, you know, crazy mad yeah. inventor? And actually, the interesting thing, Mac, you know, with not a lot a, of uh, propulsion being apparent with these, mm -hmm. that west to east transfer follows the prevailing wind going across this yeah. continent. But people did see them. I mean, there was, there's a whole range of these strange things yeah. they saw. Some of them had propellers now, on it, but some of them in San Francisco where a lot of people actually saw this thing. This thing came out over one of the streets, and a ladder came down, and the person actually came down the ladder. And, wow. you know, they didn't describe him as being odd-looking, but it was some kind of person came down and yeah. kind of looked around and got back on the ladder, and boom, off this thing goes. And way back when, you know, when you're, you're not used to seeing anything in the sky except birds, you see this thing. Mm. Uh, you there, know, it, it, there's out. an interesting corollary to what you said about uh, the Jules Verne books being published, a lot of them being translated. A lot of stuff was done in serial work. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. After the Civil War, with a lot of technology breakthrough, uh, wireless is starting. You know, the telegraph has changed things quite a bit. Uh, there's a renaissance of science uh, with the common person, people that are, are not involved in technology of the day. Um, the it's fanciful to a lot of folks, and it's an interesting mix between things that are actually happening and what people are transferring from what they have read or been speaking about in uh, popular uh, writing of the day, popular mm -hmm. fiction. Right. And then we go into these things, and Ross Schaub is going to be joining us uh, a little bit later and talk about this, the scare ships specifically in, um, in England, which is really kind of a crazy uh, flap they used to call them for six months. All people saw were these enormous enormous you know going really fast going like 300 knots and even these days blimps go about 60 miles an hour and that's right. it you know yeah. but um but as switch was saying uh, earlier and now we have two minutes left there's these other things called the ghost flyers of scandinavia in the um early 1930s where the people would see these airplanes that were you know, had eight, eight engines and pontoons and twin booms and all that. You know, no search airplane lights and search they'd lights. circle villages. You know, yeah, in blizzards, right. it was it was weird crazy. looking things. Weird looking things and things that didn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, they had pontoons and they're flying over the, the tundra, no place to land for thousands of miles. You know, and made a lot of noise. And, and as Coco said they used to just circle around villages in blizzards. It sometimes shut their engines off and glide and then turn the engines back on and stuff. It's really like crazy. No one ever figured out what they were. You know, they they. They peaked after about six months, and then they went away. Mm. In the same part yeah. of Sweden in 46, sorry, they had the ghost rockets. Same thing. People saw these rockets flying in formation and stuff. One pilot got up next to it, and he, this, the way he described it, right, the way he drew it, looks just like a Tomahawk cruise missile. Mm -hmm. And this is in 46 or 7, you know? He's flying beside it. So, yeah, he's flying beside it. So the thing is is that it, the, the, the uh, Swedish government is the only government who has ever gone on record as saying, you know, that what happened within their borders might have been otherworldly. Other you yeah. know, they actually put it in the, the, the final report of these things. Mm. They used to land in and then they used to land in lakes or something, um, switch, and, and they... It, they, yes. They get out yeah, the lake and they plunge right into the lakes and they never came out. Never came out. And, and they'd go down and there'd be no wreckage down the bottom of the lake and stuff. Wow. 
So well, you know, some of the, uh, the, the 1897 were. wave with the, uh, the the ones that weren't really balloons with a cab underneath, yes. uh, they would land, they'd have an, like an old timer on board, and they look just like people would expect, like an inventor, you yeah. know, where yeah. there's a, it's, it's a mysterious inventor in Iowa, and he needs some money, you know, some he gives them some money for some oil or something. Yeah. And, and there's, these get, get so weird. There's one case, I know we're almost out of time, in Ohio – one of these things made a circumvented Ohio, but in, in one particular county at the same time within a month period, they're saying a Bigfoot-like creature and also not too far away, a black, you know, an out-of-place black, giant black cat. Wow. You know, so like it was one of these high strangest areas where cryptids and a strange craft of the sky is seen at the same time. Wow. Hmm. Interestingly, Jules Verne wrote Around the World in 80 Days in 1873. Yeah, so they were and it was a, a big impact. Right. Uh, yeah. As as well as the Master of the World and Robar the Conqueror, mm -hmm. which I think I think was uh, supposed to be inspired by some of these real sightings that were out there. Wow. If I have that correct. Switchy, thank you very much for that report. One week of a round of applause, mm -hmm. seeing as we have a lot of people. Good job. Switchy, thank the you. man thank on the you way up. I'm taking a bow right now. In fact, well, you should. You know, it was riveting. I'm really sick of these emails saying, you know, we love switch more switch with switch. Yeah. You know, and, um, it's it's getting uh, to a point. You know, uh, do I'll you have switch a all time the time. To, like forward all those to me so that I can get I'll a really big head. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Just what you need. You know. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Book, right after he straightens himself out. Book deal. You know. Book deal. Radio show. Doing personal entourage now. Yep. Personal yeah, driver. This picture yeah. all over the face. All over Facebook. Yeah. Anyway, while we're at one, we salute Cobra. A girl Cobra. on each arm. Can we? Uh, I haven't seen that picture yet. <laughs> uh, why don't we salute Cobra real okay. quick? Okay. Right. Seen it all here. Okay. Count it down one more. All right. Ten. Hut. Wow. Return. Here with two veterans. I always think of hee-haw when I... Okay. You, you know, when you're, on, when you're on the base... He's you're, a real veteran. When you're on the base and you're walking around in your uniform... Yes, and yes. You, ...and you come upon an officer, or, you know... Yes. ...you have to do the salute. Yes. And you can't just keep walking and do the salute. Yes, you have to You have wait. to hold the salute until he returns it. Then you, you know, he'll say wow. carry on or as you were or something like that. What's that, to keep you in line? Is that it? It's, uh, it's part of uh, what goes on. The military life, okay. Yeah. yeah. Just awesome a way life. to say hello. Right, Cole? Yeah. yeah it, it, it's just a way to say hello. <laughs> exactly. Okay. You ran into it's a sign of respect. You ran into that in Newport, Rhode Island a lot? I did, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was holding film cans under my arms. Protecting our yachts. So why don't we take a commercial break now, and uh, we'll be right back with the rest of the show. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Miltrax Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We'll be right back after this. UFOs are found in Renaissance art, on ancient coins, and etched on cave walls. They're even reported in the Bible. But more surprising is when UFOs are seen the most in times of war. Through centuries, thousands of UFO sightings have been made by high-ranking officials, military pilots, and ordinary soldiers. Often, these fantastic appearances occur at the height of great battles. From World War I to D-Day to Korea, Vietnam, and beyond, military investigators are baffled. Why do UFO sightings spike so drastically during wartime? Could it be mistaken aircraft, or is someone, or something, looking in on us? In UFOs in wartime, what they didn't want you to know, Mac Maloney chronicles centuries of these incredible sightings and tries to solve the puzzle of why so many UFOs are seen while humanity is at war. Read about the scare ships, the ghost planes, and the ghost rockets, alien giants in the jungles of Vietnam, UFOs controlling our ICBM bases, dogfights with flying saucers during the Gulf War, and more. 300 pages of unbelievable stories, along with many startling photographs. That's UFOs in wartime. What they didn't want you to know. 
by Mac Maloney. On sale at your local bookstore or on Amazon.com. Tracks, our show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Wow, what a show we have for you tonight. We have a real crowd in here. So let me go around the horn and introduce them. Girls, you know he's here. The very famous Juan Juan. Hello, Mac. Hello, girls. Thanks for hanging in there with us. So Thanks for being my pals, by the way. There you go. Well, you think my that, special pals. You think they're your pals. You know, if you want to think that way, that's fine. Um, also, on the line with us is, uh, they know him as Coco on the street, but Commander Cobra had a special mission on a special mission at a secret location. Come in, Leah Cobra. Good evening, gentlemen, and I am on, glad to be on the wing, and the I am pal The chicken wing. The what? <laughs> pal I really? Okay, it's a solo yeah. mission then, I guess. Uh, also, um, Switchblade Steve Watt up there in the Bowl of Flakes, Battle Creek, Michigan, a national correspondent, the man on the way up. And great to be here. Great to be, and he had a big bowl of Frosted Flakes this morning, one one. Okay, nice. I love it. My favorite. Okay, and so one move up the under rover's massive heart attack too <laughs> in the September or so. It's all that sugar. I know. Not not that funny really. <laughs> That's right. I'd have it cut out, but it's been a problem lately. Also in the uh, studio with us tonight as a special guest, the guy who works at the agency that works at the agency, Agent X, is here. Hey Mac, thanks for having me as always, mm-hmm. guys and gals. Top of the evening. And he brought beer with them. So listen, why don't we get right into this? We have a special guest on the line. Um, talk about someone becoming a celebrity. This is like Switch, you know, Switch Two, Switch Point <laughs> Oh. Uh, our favorite bartender from the uh, Stabby Galley down there, Megan Reagan. Megan, hey. Hello. How is everyone? I'm Megan. I'm, I'm fine. How are you, Megan? I'm great. Okay. Excellent. We've um, got a huge listening audience tonight. Yeah, I know. Um, so why don't we do this? Why don't we get right into the questions, okay? So Megan Reagan down there at the Stabby Galley, our favorite place in New Report on uh, Water Street. That's right. Great seafood, great service, great people. And if you go in and, and ask plenty for of parking. If you go in and ask for a one one special, you will pay for the chocolate martini, exactly. right? Exactly. Okay, we'll take it out of the promotion budget. So Jeff, why don't we cue the music right here? And Megan Reagan, please, the first question. Ten questions for one one. Question number ten. If you could be any female superhero, who would it be and why? Ooh. He's thinking. Catwoman. Yeah, really, yeah. Catwoman, because I was in love with that first Catwoman. Who was that actress? Eartha Kitt. Michelle Eartha Pfeiffer. Kitt. Michelle Pfeiffer, exactly. Michelle Eartha, Eartha Kitt. 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 No, Eartha Kitt was correct. Black was and the white TV, right? yep. okay. yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer yeah. is unforgettable. Okay, yeah, so you would be Catwoman, huh? Because you want to be like her? Yeah. Okay, all right. It takes a minute to admit that. Question number nine, please. Megan Reddy. <laughs> Have you ever dreamed you were sitting at a bar wearing a bikini? No, no. but I, I, I've dreamt that I've been any place and said, gee, did I remember to put my pants on? Because sometimes oh, really? I have some yeah. of those mornings. Okay. Thank you, right. Senator Good Kennedy. thing we're a night show. <laughs> <laughs> did, it, did it happen in real life? It did not a dream. No, it didn't. Okay. It's just right. something that I worry about from time to time. I'll take your word for it. Okay, question number uh, eight, please. Megan Ray. 
We know you grew up on the mean streets of Clemsford, Massachusetts. <laughs> Please, trans <laughs> Please translate this street slang for our listeners. Drop a couple of road squirrels, get some stink on the hang low or shizzle. Yeah. She, she has the answer, but what is it? Translate it for us, please. If you get some beer, we can have sex. Yeah, you're just about to say that. Okay. Well, back in uh, Chelmsford, Chelmsford. Yeah. Um, I didn't take that course. No? Okay. I took Latin instead for yeah. two years. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's Latin for kicking my ass in the school? Yeah, you know? uh, next question, please, Megan. Next Thursday is Puerto Rican Day Pride. Wait, next Thursday is Puerto Rican Pride Day. Are you going to march oh, again? Yeah. I, I might, yeah. Are you going to march again? Yeah, okay. I'm going to be huh? one of those neighborhoods in uh, Lawrence, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, right. The Filipino division. The lower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, next question, please, Meg. Good food, too, by the way. On your wedding on your wedding night, did your wife have to explain anything to you using sock puppets? <laughs> uh, no. No? No. You sure? I, you know now? I was a uh, full speed ahead right away. Okay. <laughs> How about a flowchart? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Flow the torpedoes. You don't want to say full speed ahead in that situation, do you? <laughs> Not really. Next question, please, Mike. What's your beef with the masseuse who gave Patriots owner Robert Kraft his chicken wrap? <laughs> <laughs> I have no beef, actually, with that person. Okay. I think that person should come out and say, hey, look, I don't we're, think you should buddies. be mixing uh, chicken and beef I was going like to say, that. yeah, that's probably frowned upon. <laughs> uh, next question, please, Megan. If aliens invaded the Earth, whose side would you be on? Now, think about it for a second. No, really. <laughs> it depends if they look like Michelle Pfeiffer. There you yeah. go, okay. How to tie it in, X. Or Nancy Wilson. Yeah, if, if, it's, if the aliens are the cast of cats, you, yeah, you know yeah, where you're yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. Okay, next question, please, Megan. Is it true that you once gave an ex-girlfriend a shower head as a wedding present? Oh, wow. No. Next <laughs> question. That's inappropriate. That's absurd. Too insightful. Please, number I two. I love my shower head. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Megan. Question number two, please. Question, uh, would it bother you if one of your Dash dogs hands. wanted to marry a cat? <laughs> <laughs> would that bug you? Yes, it would. It would, yeah. yeah. It would. You wouldn't attend would the ceremony? Uh, no. It sounds like we're at uh, question number one. Megan Reagan down the staff of Gally, our favorite bartender. Okay. If Mac died saving the world from a global catastrophe, how long would you wait before you called his wife for a date? <laughs> uh, one of these questions come up all the time. About 10 seconds. Oh, wow, man. That's talk about inappropriate. Thank <laughs> you very much. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, well, we ended right on seven minutes. Well, Meg and Reagan, we have to give another hey, round of applause. Good job. Thank you. And all I can say is maybe we'll talk about this in the uh, future segment. Okay, but how do you say this? The response to the show was more than we usually get one one. We're doing this all wrong, you and I. You know, everyone is like on the road up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Switch. Coco, You're obviously. talking about this particular segment or the show in general? It's the show in general. Because and it's like where the Megan in and now, Right, exactly. Now she's going to get a lot of calls from Megan. Fan club. Yeah. Uh, so, Megan, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll talk to you very soon, okay? Thank you. Thank, thank you, Megan. Okay. So, Be why good. don't we... Uh, Have a good night. Okay, you too. We'll take a commercial break now, and um, we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Mill Tracks, our show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Uh, Juan Juan is here. Coco is here. Switch is here. 
Exus here. And Exus here. Um, so um, stay where you are, and um, we'll be right back after this. Hey, Juan Juan, did you go to the beach a lot as a kid? Yes, Mac, I sure did. I have a feeling like as a youth, you were like the 90-pound weakling and that the bullets used to kick sand in your face. As a matter of fact, I did. I mean, I tried to pump iron back then, but I'd get pooped pretty quickly. Oh, my God. Look at you two girly men. Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger? What are you doing here? I'm here to make sure you read the ad copy for this fabulous new workout product called SEX that I can't endorse, but I'm sure works wonderfully. Hey Arnold, what was that thing with you and the maid? Ugh, just do the ad. Yeah man, nail and the maid, that's a little frenzy. That's it, I'm going to turn you into two Vienna pretzels. Cobra, Cobra save us! I'd be glad to you gentlemen. What the boys are trying to say is, this is a new energy drink that can give you the extra endurance you need to get through your daily workout. Yeah. It's called SEX for Strength Energy Accelerator. It comes easy to use. Just mix a scoop with water and drink 30 minutes before you start your workout. And you find you can last longer and feel all around better after finishing your regime. Yeah. The mix comes in many different flavors. Of course, my favorite is passion fruit. Me too. And it contains all the essentials you need to get over the top, whether you're trying to add muscle and bulk or just maintain your current physique. You could look like me. That's SEX, Workup Dietary supplement available only through Cadillo USA. Visit CadilloUSA.com for more details. That's C-A-R-D-I-L-L-O-U-S-A.com and get some sex today. Hey, what's going on in here? Pistol Pistol Pete, Pete. what are you doing here? I told you guys, no partying in the studio. What are all these dumbbells doing here? Hey, just because you own this place doesn't mean you can call me a dumbbell. Oh, yeah? Kick his ass, Pete. Come on, I'm right here. SEX Workout Powder, available only through CadilloUSA.com. Read instructions carefully before using. Everyone to Mac Maloney's Miller Tracks Now Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. What a show we have for you tonight, and what a gang we have here. Uh, first of all, I should say, girls, the very famous Juan Juan is here. Hello, girls. Also, Hello, Mac. Commander Cobra is on the line. He's at a secret location on a secret mission. Good evening, gentlemen and lady. Switchblade Steve Ward calling in from the Bull of Flakes. Um, what is it? What's the name of the place? Battle, Battle, Creek. Battle Creek, Michigan. Actually, technically east of Battle Creek. And of Battle good Creek. evening, everybody. That's right. That, we, we said before that'd be a great book title. East of Bell Creek, you know? Kind of says something to me. I don't know what. <laughs> it says Rice Krispies to me. Also, uh, the guy who works at the agency that works at the agencies is here, Agent X. Evening to everybody out there. And on the phone with us, joining us and really kind of lightening the mood, if not, you know, the whole spirit of the things, our favorite bartender from down there in the starboard galley, Megan Reagan, is here. I hope. Hello. Okay. Yes, I am. Okay. Hello, everybody. Hello, Megan. Hi. <laughs> You know, this is the way to class up the show. I said to you it six is. months ago. You know, know, why don't we class? We got to do show this more often. Right. Megan, you game for working every week? Of course yeah. you are. All I, right. Tuesday's Hey, Megan, just a quick note. You're All supposed right. to check to see if that's the show he's talking about. Okay. Let's <laughs> <laughs> listen cool. to this guy. Okay. You're really going to start in early? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, anyway, so um, Megan is a big fan of TV and what's the latest things on TV, like Netflix and HBO and stuff like that, you know? And we were talking last time that I think it really comes to the point where there's just so much out there you're always expecting everything to be kind of Game of Thrones or whatever and none a lot of, of comedy out there yeah but none of it is really good I think they just like kind of 
you're putting a lot of the stuff out there and you have to really there's so many things that you have to search through it's hard to find something that you like is that how's that for a capsule review there megan oh that's absolutely i have tried so many television like the first episode and i just get bored and I have to try to find something else. That's why Megan impressed me. She liked Frasier so much. Right. Frasier is Big cool. Frasier. I hadn't seen it for years until she Frasier. said that. There's a show that I've been watching that I like. I haven't finished watching it. It's Afterlife. Afterlife. Oh, yeah. The guy from The yeah, Office. The UK uh, guy from The Office back is for in its, there. Uh, next season. Oh. Is it? It's a good a show. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, that guy, the, uh, the, the guy who started The Office. Yeah, what's yeah. his name? Yeah, he's not funny at all, man. He, he's got a weird sense of humor. I think he's funny. Yeah, I don't know. The office it's, it's, was funny. It's his delivery. The British office, ever see it? Did you yeah, see the British office. Oh, my office. God, the British office. That's what I'm talking about. It's, it's just so embarrassing to the people that, you know, they're, you know, making fun of and stuff. It goes really the extra mile to really, in that British sort of way. i got to check that out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ron, what's his name? He has what a weird his... name. Um, I know. You what? see? Give him a call right now. So, um, so Megan, what else, so what have you, have you seen anything this week that is, you know, Turned you on? So I actually, you know, it's crazy. I'm very excited. I started a new show called Tin Star. It's um, okay. a British-Canadian television crime drama mm-hmm. on Amazon Prime, okay. and I'm obsessed. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. okay. For, me to, All right. for me to say that, Tin Star. Hmm. it's pretty good. Okay, good. Well, you got to keep uh, watching it episode after well, episode with, without even a potty break. Right. I would think for yeah. you, Mike, <laughs> if I could make a quick recommendation, if you get a chance, try Pine Gap. Um, wow. Pine Gap. Pine Gap. That sounds yeah. very from Yes, it's Australian, right? I Australian think base, I yeah. tried that out. Okay. Didn't like it, huh? But um, Is it a yeah, Western yeah, or something? Yeah, I liked it. Is that the place? Yeah, it's got, it's, I remember liking it. It's got a really good cliffhanger for the next season. It's a modern uh, intelligence yeah, so the world, NSA is, uh, counterterrorism, and oh, it's good. got some really good uh, human uh, blend to it. Is it the NSA... Um, Yes, the NSA okay. uh, site down at uh, in uh, Alice Springs. Right, it's in the dead center of Australia. Dead center of Australia, they get the yeah. largest listening. Everything that you say, do, write, mm-hmm. speak, it goes to the big antenna, isn't there? Mm. So, well, oh, that sounds kind of cool. That sounds like a. Uh, that's because everybody has a Alexa that's a lot of fun house. in that same uh, okay. company that uh, put that together is called Code. Okay. C O D E. That's the production that company, too. right? So, um. Um, what else? So you're hooked on this uh, the, the Tin and It's a Western, right? You're saying? It is. It's British Canadian. Okay. All right. So it's yeah, out there west. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. Wow. Yeah, is there a awesome. is there a school mom in it? Like the hot school mom. I've, um, there is a pretty hot mom. <laughs> but, um, wow. Reason oh, reason number two to watch. Christina Hendricks, that hot redhead. Oh, the red from Mad Men. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm there. All right. Oh, yeah. What is that on Netflix or HBO or, you know, do you know? Amazon Prime. uh, Amazon Prime. Okay, I get that for free. I think. So, anything else? uh, You don't get Amazon Prime for free. I don't know. If you have Amazon Prime, the service, then you get the. The video part for, for okay. free, but you're already paying. Oh, he just Amazon said he doesn't Prime. get it for free, and then wow. he said he gets it for free. Wow. No, he said he got wow. Amazon Prime. Can we just keep moving? Yeah, Amazon Prime is not free. I get it for free. free because my boyfriend pays for it. Let's go on to the next show, please. <laughs> uh, what, anything else uh, catch your eye? Um, I actually Besides just finally rented um, Vice. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, we're talking Dick about that. Cheney. 
Did you I like? I thought the acting was awesome. Yeah, the acting is really awesome. But isn't it cool how they tell the story? So, the narrator, who you know, we won't we won't say who he is, but the narrator. Love I think it. Is very in it. You know, I loved it. Because really a lot of the times I couldn't like keep up with what was happening because mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't, I'm not very familiar. But when that when he would. It, when it would go back to him, I, mm-hmm. I would be like, oh, okay, now yeah. I kind of get what's happening. So kind of like that the, was awesome. The glue to put it together. And at one point, halfway through the movie, when he finally attains what he is trying to do, this is Dick Cheney, they end the movie. They end the movie, and he's out in his lawn with his kids and his grandkids, and the credits start to roll and everything. You say, wow, this is the end of the movie. And then all of a sudden, it's like, Whoop, you know, you're back to reality. It's like one of those kind of movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. I think it's yeah, astonishing. It and the guy who plays Dick Cheney, I said it a million times on the show, he's unbelievable. The guy who plays Batman, Christian Bale, plays Dick Cheney. Wow. I love him. Exactly. You have to see him in the movie, uh, The Mechanic. Yeah, oh, really? yeah. 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 And the one about the fighter. That's that was a lot like, of weight for that movie. What was the one about the fighter? He was really good. Mickey Ward. Yeah, he was the brother in the fighter. Yeah. Um, really good. Movie. Yeah. Mickey yeah, Ward. Now, there's a guy that... Yeah. There's an actor that is dragged out of uh, rehab or something, and he's, all of a sudden he's he's uh, back in the limelight. Oh, Mickey Ward? Mickey Mickey Rourke. I oh, Mickey, Mickey Rourke. Oh, the, that actor? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's the wrestler. I was going to say, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love him, too. Yeah. Back in the day. Wait, back in the day. Mickey. Nine and a half weeks, huh, Megan? Right. That's the movie, huh? Oh, Nine my. And a half weeks. You know, I actually just watched that movie for the first time, and I was like, wow. Let me ask you Because I only know him from The Monster oh, or yeah. The Wrestler. Oh, The yeah, Wrestler, that's yeah. The wrestler. In, in reality, he went into professional boxing. Yeah. He, he was that's bored. a good decision. He yeah. was yeah. bored with being an actor. Yeah, here we go. Did fairly well at the beginning, and then he needed plastic surgery. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm bored, so I, I'll go yeah. get my head bashed in. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. All right. I mean, he, he, he was just always like this kind of celebrity. Celebrity guy, he was—he's more celebrity than movie star. And all of a sudden, wow! Get a look well, at him. What now. really got him was when he was going to uh, the Dapper Don's uh, trial. Mm-hmm. Right. He was sitting in as a uh, as a uh, spectator at uh, at that at that whole but series of uh, John Gotti trial. trial. Yeah, Gotti stuff. That's a good way to get in the newspaper, though. You know what I mean? Going in and out as if you know the Godfather, <laughs> that type of thing. So, um, so Megan, in a couple of minutes we have left. Anything else that you can steer us to? Let me see. Um, did you see the? Yes. So. Did you see the what? the latest War of the Worlds one with Tom Cruise? Yeah, I parts of it. Okay. Um, I saw it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And some. I'm probably guessing. What do you mean the latest one? Is it a new one with Tom? Cruise? No, I was going to say the difference between that one though. and the 1951 because I saw the 1951 the other day. Man. Yeah. It's a great movie. I saw the better. original. Yeah, the original is a great movie, man. There's lots of kind of suspenseful, you know. Oxen and stuff to use the biz term. Yeah, and, and they uh, also followed the book. They, they followed the book, right? Yeah, they didn't yeah. change, you know, basic key premises to the book. Right, right. Yeah, like Tom Cruise, you know, killing all the Martians was a little bit too much, you know. I'm yeah, sure yeah, that was right? Tom. Yeah. That was Tom Cruise's decision, right? Is what right. brings them up and stuff, you know. I always like to beat up Tom Cruise. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good movie cool. with Tom Cruise too. Cool, Dad. Yeah, we could do one okay. thing. I'm a Tom Cruise. He's always putting down. Now wait Tom a minute. Cruise. Hold on. Hold on a second. Switch is say something. What are you going to say? Switch. The one thing they did in the new movie that was a touch of class, and it's where Tom Cruise finally gets back. You know, it's it's over, yes. and he's uh, he gets the uh, back to the grandparents. Okay. Right. Guess, guess who's playing the grand grandfather? Oh yeah, Gene Barry. Yep. Okay. Gene Barry. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad he was available to do that bit part. Listen, let me just say this, and if you, I can now I can tell that no one in the room has read the book because I do a I chapter read the on. Book, yes. Oh yeah. I do a chapter on, and and here's the thing is that books schmucks. At the end of the movie, at the end of the movie, Reagan, you might want to take a nap. Uh, at the end of the movie, 
he walks up the street. Now Boston is completely leveled, right? Dorchester is yeah. flattened. It's you know, on, it's it's don't on fire. say that. It's on fire. But the nice neighborhoods of yeah, Hill yeah, yeah. He, he goes up to where they live, and there's a few extra leaves on the street. That's <laughs> yeah, it. you know, and they come right. out, and it's Gene Barry, and his. If that isn't the dream of every person that lives on Beacon Hill, I don't you, know you what it is. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Cambridge. But yeah, well, it, it looked, it looked Cambridge. <laughs> yeah, it looked like Cambridge. But and they come out as if they've just been, you know, doing the Times crossword puzzle <laughs> over, uh, you know, coffee, and it's like, come on, the world is you know, destroyed. All right, I will. give you that. It's a good point. Right. I didn't catch it. Thank you, Wax. I'm not as cynical as you are. So, uh, <laughs> you're not. Uh, so, Megan, uh, can you leave us with um, some words of wisdom or something that we can maybe check out? Word. Say something dirty Word. so we can make these old men happy. <laughs> something dirty. I, I would be very happy with a shower head for a oh, present. Well, okay, I all right. Let's get rid of that. Thank you. Megan, Megan, on that note. <laughs> On uh, the, yeah. the, the, the pulsing, the pulsating All right, okay. We won't make any comments Idle about the boyfriend then. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know when you're digging a hole, one, one. the best advice is to stop. Man, oh, man. Right, so uh, thank you, Megan, for joining us, and um, we will uh, talk to you very soon. So why don't we do this? Why don't we take the commercial break now? And we'll be right back after this with Ross Shop. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Miltrack Style Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We'll be right back after this. Do you know where the world's most secret bases are located? Do you know what spooky action at a distance means? Is there a conspiracy by aliens to prevent us from conquering space? And where is the best place in the United States to see a real UFO? Find the answers to all these questions and more in Mac Maloney's new book, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Visit places you never knew existed, the Hampton Tunnels of Tokyo, the UFO Trail in South America, Ong's Hat, and the very mysterious M Triangle. Mac Maloney Haunted Universe contains hundreds of reports on ghosts, haunted planes and ships, weird celebrity deaths, mysterious sounds, and a breakdown of every monster in America, state by state. You've heard him talk about it on the radio. Now get all of Mac's paranormal research in one large volume. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe, with a forward by the very famous Juan Juan. On sale now in your local bookstore or on Amazon.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Macaroni's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Macaroni. On the uh, also in the studio with us tonight is the fabulous Juan Juan. No, it was um, yes. Okay, all right. We got a, we get a a fan letter saying that you can hardly tell if you're saying Macaroni and uh, that's true. I, I can't okay. tell sometimes. This is Macaroni. Anyway, uh, Juan Juan is here, as you can that's right. tell. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and all ships at sea. All right. Also on the Glad lines. you're paying rapt attention to this show and taking okay. notes. Okay. All right. Well, don't take notes, no. Um, also on the line with us is our national correspondent, Man on the Way Up, Switchblade Steve Watt up there in Battle Creek, Michigan, home of the flakes with a big on the cereals. Great to be here, gentlemen. Okay. Um, also in the studio with us is uh, Agent X, the man who works for the agency that works for the agencies. How about that? Hello, guys and gals, and thanks for having me. I don't think there's any gals with us now unless there's someone listening in that we don't know about. I'm sure there's plenty of gals. Okay. Um, oh, I see. In the audience, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're, you're quick on the uptick oh, well, there, aren't on. you, buddy? Oh, hang boy. on, hang on. Hang on. <laughs> also, no, all I can remember is remember the remember the um, complaint we used to have at the old station. Yeah. From Pete. Do you yep. remember the three items? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you want to say them no. now? <laughs> Women going in and out all the time. Right. Was one of them. Was was a laugh track? With that no one. noises at night. No. And a lot of smoke around the door. <laughs> We're an exit in New Hampshire now. We don't do any of that stuff. Correct. Okay. On the uh, line with us uh, is, uh, once again, trying to class up the show. And I believe anyone with a British accent just sounds classy. Over, I don't know why. Uh-oh. All right. I'm getting, uh, a, message, uh-oh. getting a message from the IRA here. That was not. Uh, uh, Rush up. Our uh, UK correspondent joining us tonight. How are you doing there, Rush? I'm doing fine, thank you, Mac, okay. and uh, nice to be with everyone. Okay, all right. I think he, we should give him a round of applause, please. Yeah. Thank please, you, Russ. please, no yeah. more. We love people from across <laughs> the puddle, but you actually live in uh, Massachusetts, right? I do, though I, I do go across the puddle with uh, monotonous regularity okay. every year. All right. And what do you do? What do you is, is that British Airlines Airways? Is that what you take? I actually, um, I have my finance director, Alan who's a great guy, he's finance director of the People's Mosquito. Yes, yes. He chooses, he chooses the cheapest route to uh, to send me across to okay, Europe. All right, yeah. And one, one time, he actually sent me from London to Madrid <laughs> with a four-and-a-half-hour layover oh, wow. before I got a flight back to Boston. Oh, man. Um, and I said to him, okay, well, this is a nice flight. Then he said, well, you... You're leaving London at 5.45. I yes. said, oh, it's an afternoon flight then. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> wow. So I, had to, I had to drive uh, about five hours from my brother's house in Wales to uh, to reach London Heathrow in time to get a, catch mm-hmm. a 5.45 a.m. flight to oh. Madrid. Uh, I was uh, 21 hours on the road before I finally landed wow. at Logan. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, and he saved. I said, "How much did you save, Alan?" He said, "Oh, about ninety dollars." Oh, there you go. Yeah, it is ninety bucks. <laughs> and Ross, was it Wow Airlines? At the back. Yeah. What? Uh, no, no. Actually, it was rather nice. It was BA down to Madrid, and then uh, Iberia, the Spanish oh, national yeah. carrier. Oh, yeah. So complete with retro type uh, news, free newspaper things going up and down the aisle. Wow. Huh? So, yeah, real retro stuff, but it was cool. Okay. Uh, one one a little inside here you know um, my brother-in-law who married the bikini model yeah she used to be a stewardess for Iberia oh she was yeah when she was 18 I gotta cut that out back <laughs> back, back when we called them stewardesses uh, yeah or whatever yes. yeah so coffee you tea or me it's gonna be 418 uh, so anyway so Ross um, uh, why don't we mm-hmm. talk a little bit uh, first about the People's Mosquito Project we should just uh, explain to people who may not know that the Mosquito was a uh, aircraft during World War II um, it was a uh, kind of an attack plane, two uh, big engines on it. But the cool thing about it was it was made of wood, okay? It was <laughs> very know, cool. Only British Six would, you know, sides of wood. would, yeah. would yeah. make it out of wood. And the thing is, is that— Was there no smoking on that plane? No smoking, of course. Well, unless you got it from the twin Merlin engines going flat out. Two, it was the fastest thing yeah. in the air fastest for thing in the two air. years. Yeah. It, now, did, yeah. they, did they think it was going to be fa- I mean, they must have known it was going to be fast, yeah. right? Yeah, it was yeah. going to be fast because they'd previously built— the DH-88 racer, which won the 
uh, UK to Australia air race okay. in front of everything else. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. They, they had a, a track record in, in building very fast aircraft. Right, right. And it, and, and, and uh, there's like even stealth properties to it and stuff like that. And there's there's some of them that was so fast they didn't even put guns on them. They had a lot of reconnaissance uh, missions. And they said no need to really carry guns because no one's going to catch you, you know. And I guess not only that, the, the, the bomber version could fly to Berlin and back. Wow. And carrying the equivalent of a bomb load of a B-17 in approximately one-third of the time. Oh, and right? not yeah. get caught because mm-hmm. it just ran away from the Focke-Wolves and the Messerschmitts. Right, right, yeah. And yeah. If I remember right, they, I may be wrong, but I thought they were relatively inexpensive. Yeah, absolutely, in, in the day. And you could turn one out in around about 10 days. Oh, really, yeah? Uh, and didn't they have yeah, furniture makers yeah. and stuff like that, cabinet makers working on the line yeah. or something? That's why the, the Churchill uh, insisted on that they carry on with this because it was using cabinet makers and uh, joiners and people who were in the wood trades that were not part of the traditional uh, aviation industry, uh, you know, right. labor pool. I so saw- it worked wonders. Um, anyway. Okay. Suffice to say, there's lots and lots of good stuff going to come out in the next two weeks. Right. And the but I'm under embargo, trust the, me. The people's... It, it involves a 200,000-ton container ship arriving in the UK. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. It's right. really good fun. He's bursting at the seams to uh, tell <laughs> yeah. us this. But basically what is the People's Mosquito Project is to get one of these uh, you know, famous airplanes from World War II and, and plane that it had a crucial role in the law and to uh, restore it. And I think probably we should just end it right there, right? I think so, yes. Okay. All right. Can I no. can I ask you a question though? Yes, it, it seems to sure. me if it was inexpensive to build right. and if it has a illustrious heritage, right. why aren't there commercial versions of them what are they for gonna collectors do? and yeah, oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, how yeah. cool would there that are, be? There might be. There are three of them in the US at the moment. Wow, okay. And uh-huh. they've been built in New Zealand, but Oh, I'm itching to tell you what we've done. (laughs) It involves New Zealand as well, by the way. Okay, all right. um, We're going to start up the production line in the UK for the first time for more than 70 years. That's all I'm saying. It's going to be awesome. Wait a minute. You're going to start a mosquito production line? You betcha. Wow, man, that's excellent. That's like starting a new uh, Thunderbird uh, line or something. And following up on the, can can you make hybrid modifications to it to do really cool stuff? Yeah, is it... Uh, you wouldn't want to because the Civil Aviation Authority, our equivalent of the FAA, okay. will be down on you like a ton of bricks. Ah, we've, got, we've got 22, nearly 22,500 original OEM drawings. Okay. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and so we're just going to be reproducing one and adding the bits that we've saved from the identity of the mosquito that we own. And bingo, you know, there we are. But as I said, oh. that's for another story, Mac, oh. and a lot of military stuff involved. Right. Um, but, um, you know, that's a question, though, that I've always wanted to It's always, like, bothered me. Is like you make these classic airplanes. Like maybe even, uh, what are you doing? You're going in your car there making the, uh, the noise with your keys there. Oh. Okay. So, um, you know, why don't they hang on to it? Like, like there's no more B-36s, I don't think. You know, that was like this magnificent, there's no, beautiful there's airplane. There's no- there's a non-flying one in Fort Worth. Okay, you know why don't you hang on to those things? Like you said, why don't you hang? Yeah, on why wouldn't to? there be a collector's market yeah. for those? Yeah. So well, well the now answer, there's going to be. The answer, the answer is, of course, that um, many of them were resold after the war to countries like Sweden and Israel, mm-hmm. the Dominican Republic, Turkey, mm-hmm. France. Um, uh, but the, the wood would be more than seventy years old at this point. Mm-hmm. 
And since it's a, a composite structure, 11 millimeters thick of birch ply, balsa wood and birch ply, mm -hmm. uh, it's not necessarily going to be in great shape for flying. Mm -hmm. So what you do, you build a new set of wood and you add the metal bits because it's roughly 60% wood, 40% metal. Okay. And bingo, you've got yourself, um, in effect, a new plane built okay. to original specs. So so what are the avionics going to be, though? Is it going to be Good modern question. avionics? It's going to be a mix. Okay. It's going to have uh, traditional World War II avionics plus... And uh, Wing Commander Bill Ramsey, my good friend, who was formerly the leader of the Red Arrows and uh, an extremely illustrious Royal Air Force career, mm -hmm. he's our ops director. Nice. And we're already in discussions with Bill about uh, having a modern collision avoidance system called a PFLAM or similar mm -hmm. fitted. Uh, so it can operate inside controlled airspace. Right. You know, it's going to have transponders, etc., that you would expect to find on a modern commercial ship. Right. So two people, right? Two-person crew, right? Yeah. Oh. Though three if you're in the United States Army Air Corps. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? <laughs> they yeah, flew them really. too? Yeah, wow. Yep. Um, I know there's a story out there, and it, it, it probably doesn't have that many legs, but what I heard was that um, – uh, that the Germans were like very jealous of you know the mosquito, and they realize what's going on, especially when they start showing up over Berlin and stuff, and and just the different destruction that they used to do, the different things they used to do. They used to use them at anti-shipping planes and stuff like that. Yes. You know, it could really it was really versatile. You know, you're right. They were so jealous of the mosquito that they told Fock Wolf to build their interpretation of it, which they called a TA-154 mosquito with a K, and. Um, they use the same sort of plywood technology using advanced adhesives. Right. And the adhesives are only produced in one factory in Germany. And when the Royal Air Force found out, they sent uh, a huge night raid over and flattened it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the Germans had to use inferior adhesive. And mm -hmm. on its first public trial after that, one of these aircraft made with inferior adhesive disintegrated in front of Herman Goering. That oh, was wow. the end of that. That was that. Wow. <laughs> and, and, and the strange thing, too, not strange thing, but like the balsa thing is that you, so you have this thing that's basically made of, you know, balsa wood. That's what yeah. like little air gliders right. are made of. And they put these two huge engines on this thing, you know. I mean, they were really, do you consider them oversized for a plane that big? No. No, they, they, it was just the right, uh, Jeffrey Hamlin was an absolute genius. The aircraft he designed when delivered from Canadian factories to the Royal Air Force in the UK on its way across the Atlantic broke time and time again the record for the Atlantic crossing. Oh, wow. And its performance was so good. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, the last photo reconnaissance version, the PR-34A, um, 435 miles an hour, 43,000 feet, and a three thousand five hundred mile range. Yeah, they are calling us uh, Wow, that's amazing. That's a that's. Uh, I mean, for those who don't know, that's a that's a very, um, you know, well, high altitude to fly and a very long range. To fly. These rec these sort of figures went broke until the jet age. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was just going to say, yeah. Ross, you you brought up two good points that I was wondering about. Well, one uh -huh. is that I know lumber had been uh, pretty tough to get in yes. uh, the UK, so they got them in. Uh, they had them built, uh, at least some of them in Canada, which makes sense. And the other thing, I just want to um, mm -hmm. congratulate you for saying the U.S. Army Air Corps. There you go. Well, as opposed to the U.S. Air Force. U.S. Air Force started well, after World War II. Thank you very much. 1947. Okay. Correct. So anyway, oh. yeah. Um, so uh, By the way, I used to work for – yeah, well, we won't go into security clearances. Uh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
So, so yes. um, you know, when this is done, when when you have the first, right. you know, is is it going to be available for civilians to take rides? Do you think? You bet. Yeah, that's really. The whole huh? uh, business model, amongst other things. Oh, that's cool, and, man. Uh, we're in discussions with I can't tell you who a certain extremely well-known aerospace companies um, for either participation or basing or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's really coming together with a rush. In the next year, we'll see if you well just watch this space in about two weeks, and you you really grab your hair and go, okay. "They did what?" What's the left of it? Okay. <laughs> Which space? Your yeah. Facebook page or your website? Or both? Um, watch watch on the. Um, the Facebook page. As okay. a matter of fact, if you go on the Facebook page now, mm -hmm. the People's Mosquito Facebook page, go to news, you'll see a photograph taken at half past 11 at night of this huge, I mean, it's bigger than four football fields, mm. um, massive container ship, the Aldana, coming into Southampton Water with our container on. So, wow, yeah, cool. it, you'll give you a little glimpse into the future, but... You know, well, yeah, it's it's going to make headlines. We're going to talk about um, you know different airships uh, on these uh, two segments, but I just want to throw this question out to you because someone had mentioned Boeing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I right. haven't really I haven't really followed this whole Boeing mistake uh, airplane that they had, the Boeing Max or something like that. Max Eight. My question is, is that you know I, I, I'm assuming that every airliner <laughs> must go through unbelievable rigorous tests, and how did they not find? A corks, a screw that isn't screwed in right. You know what I mean? Uh, okay. Um, I've got to declare a small interest in this in that I was for four years on the technical committee of the UK Airport Operators Association. So, and also on its general aviation committee, by the way. So, so yeah, there's um, and on staff at a, a UK international airport. So, yeah, I've been around the block on this. Okay. Um, two things. If you have two... Uh, MCAS uh, vanes available to you, one port, one starboard. Why, in goodness sakes, would you connect only one of them to the uh, air information data computer? Yeah, why? Good I, question. Yeah, exactly. Um, answer is that you did that because it was fast and it was cheap. Um, you had a situation where Fast and it was cheap to eliminate that part in one step? Just not, yeah, well, just not to connect just it? Just don't do cheap. it. Wow, man. To connect cheap. it, you'd have to write lots more code. Oh, okay. Uh, ideally, you want three inputs so that uh, with three PCP cores, for example, you can, one of them, if it goes bad, you do the two vote it out and tell you they voted it out. Yes, yes. Right. right. Um, no, so, so that's one thing. Two, an awful lot of the testing and approvals of the systems on uh, the Max 8 and 9 were offshored by the FAA with their approval to Boeing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they were making their own rules in effect as to how they tested this. But, but, but what about this whole thing that, you know, it was offered, you know, for a little bit extra more money, it was offered as a safety fe feature or something like but that? I mean, that's really... Not, uh, that's quite normal. Oh, is it in, really? Yeah, uh, wow. Well, it is amongst certain aircraft manufacturers. Uh, you get, it's like you buy, say you went out and bought a new Beamer. Yes, Mac, yes, as yes. you probably do every other week. No, no. Uh, I, buy, I buy American. Okay, but go ahead. Month. All right. Mm. Well, you can get again next five. Buy American. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> X has so, a B. Any, so anyway, uh, say you went out and bought any high-end car. The very first thing that the salesman does sits down and says, "Okay, well, you're obviously going to need uh, lane assist, and you're going to need a backup camera, and you're going to need all these. You add on. It almost adds a third, on average, to the baseline model costs." 
and everyone's happy in the dealership when you say yes. Yes. Of course mm -hmm. I yeah, yeah. So it's it's almost the same with an airliner. Plus mm -hmm. the fact that next time you look at an airliner price when it's announced, either Airbus or Bombardier or um, Boeing have announced a um, $10 billion order for yep. China or wherever, uh, that's not, that's only the sticker price, gentlemen. Oh, it, it, okay. Yeah. It, it's, no one actually pays the sticker price in aviation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Interesting. But the, the thing is that you've got a situation here where someone inside the FAA, and it's going to it's going to have to be an inquiry on this, yes. has outsourced the approval oh. of this to Boeing. Wow. Third, thirdly, Boeing actually sold this machine to existing operators of uh, earlier version, what we call uh, le legacy 737s, on the basis that, A, you wouldn't need to retrain your pilots very much. It's classified as the same aircraft. Okay, yes. I didn't and know it's going to save you millions in the life of the aircraft in uh, crew training costs. Mm -hmm. Okay, so w was that its uh, claim also, to fame? one last point. Okay. One last point. Um, some of these pilots on both Line Air, I think, and Ethiopian were offered a one-hour session right. on an iPad. That's what I was going to say, yeah. One hour. Yeah. Man, one, one hour. hour. That's really bad. Hour. You're flying an airplane for kind of loud. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, there are some airlines I will not fly on. Yeah, well, I'm not good. going to tell you who they are. Uh, please do. But those, I won't fly on them. Those are the ones that <laughs> I, I, I will take if they don't want to. Uh, you know, what um, – just uh, real quick, going just to airlines one more time is, okay. how about Aer Lingus? I mean, you never hear of any trouble with Aer Lingus flights. Is that just the Irish in me, or is that true? I, I like Aer Lingus. I like Aer Lingus amazingly. Um, <laughs> the, I've, I've flown Aer Lingus. Uh, as a matter of fact, the earliest days of transatlantic crossings, um, you had to virtually, if you're going westbound, land at Shannon okay, yep. and, and refuel and carry on. Yes. Indeed, some of the earlier planes... Uh, in the prop era, like the um, constellations, they actually flew out of Gander yes. and landed at Shannon, refueled, and then carried on right. to London. And if you've been to Shannon, you know what refueled means. Yes, of no, course. Tell me. <laughs> tell me. So, yeah, One I, word, I like Jameson. Yes. Re really nice people, mm -hmm. and, and they have an excellent reputation for engineering. Is everyone, is everyone, looks like it sounds like the stewardesses in the background. Is everyone um, Irish on board? Um, I would say so. I'm one quarter, so does that okay. count? <laughs> I don't know if I'd want it. I'm Irish. I'm 100% Irish, and so is X, and I know where one one claims to be Irish. Oh, um, my little niece is still living in, in Strabane, by the way, I, I, my brother's girl. Okay. So I, I, I'm not sure if I want an Irish guy flying my plane. Do you know what I mean? You know, just oh, I would. I, you know, yeah, just, really? Yeah. You, you've heard yeah. the expression self-loathing. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, yeah. no, you want an you Irish? Just heard that from Mac. Corrigan, you? you want an Irish Italian flying your plane? Oh no, the, no, <laughs> no, I don't. The Italian <laughs> gets well, loud and angry. Wife. I don't know. Yeah, okay, that's my just, wife, just what you way. need in the cockpit. <laughs> so anyway, well, listen. Uh, why don't we take a break now after all this fun and laughs, and then when we come back, we'll be talking about the uh, airships. Okay? How's that sound, okay. Ross? Okay, we're talking to Ross Shop, a UK correspondent, in the studio with us tonight. The very famous one one is here, girls. Yep. Agent X is here, uh, the guy who works at the agency that works at the agencies, and uh, Switch will be joining us for the second segment. So uh, why don't we just say this? You're listening to Mac Maloney's Mill Track Thought Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network, and we will be right back after this. UFOs are found in Renaissance art, on ancient coins, and etched on cave walls. They're even reported in the Bible. But more surprising is when UFOs are seen the most in times of war. 
Through centuries, thousands of UFO sightings have been made by high-ranking officials, military pilots, and ordinary soldiers. Often, these fantastic appearances occur at the height of great battles. From World War I to D-Day to Korea, Vietnam, and beyond, military investigators are baffled. Why do UFO sightings spike so drastically during wartime? Could it be mistaken aircraft, or is someone, or something, looking in on us? In UFOs in wartime, what they didn't want you to know, Mac Maloney chronicles centuries of these incredible sightings and tries to solve the puzzle of why so many UFOs are seen while humanity is at war. Read about the scare ships, the ghost planes, and the ghost rockets, alien giants in the jungles of Vietnam, UFOs controlling our ICBM bases, dogfights with flying saucers during the Gulf War, and more. 300 pages of unbelievable stories, along with many startling photographs. That's UFOs in Wartime, What They Didn't Want You to Know, by Mac Maloney. On sale at your local bookstore or on Amazon.com. can't handle the truth. Only Commander Cobra can handle the truth. Hey, welcome back everyone to Mac Maloney's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Wow, a show we have for you tonight. In the studio though, first, uh, girls, a very famous one one is here. Hello girls. Hello Mac. Glad to be here. Also on the line with us, our national correspondent, Switchblade Steve Wood up there in Battle Creek, Michigan, the Bowl of Flakes. Uh, absolutely phenomenal to be here. There you go. That's because he had frosted flakes for breakfast this morning. He's all juiced up on sugar. <laughs> now listen, uh, Switch, you never do anything like put fruit on those things or anything. You ever add oh, any bananas? Good Lord, no, no, okay. no, 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 no. Glad to hear that. That's okay. adulteration. There you go. Right? I'm sure it is. You do that for special K. Maybe. Also on the um, in the studio with us, uh, uh, Agent X, the, the gentleman who works for the agency that works at the agencies. Just delighted to be with this August crew. Thank you, Mac. There you go. And what's making it an August crew is our UK correspondent, our good friend Ross Sharp, is calling in. We uh, just spent the segment talking about the uh, mosquito, the People's Mosquito Project. I'll look it up. They're restoring one of the most classic airplanes of of all time, but especially of World War II. And now we're going to be talking about things that have um, one subject that has interested me for a long time is that um, there's been UFOs all during. Uh, human history. I mean, there's UFOs in the Bible. There's UFOs, yeah. you know, in all the you know, stories about Alexander the Great and so on and so forth. People have seen them over the years. Um, but there's this kind of special, odd uh, branch of UFOs, and people started seeing airships uh, around the country, um, in the United States, in the late 1800s. And um, and then, in, um, in, and as it turned out, people really saw them all over. But there was especially this, um, this one incident in England of what we call the airships. And basically what happened was people in England were seeing these enormous airships, okay? I mean, even bigger than Zeppelins. And Zeppelins were not, um, Zeppelins were just in the testing stage at that point, let's say. Uh, World War One still had about five years to go before it broke up. No one had ever seen anything like this before. They were so big, they, would, they, would, they only flew at night, but they would blot out the stars, blot out the moon, that type mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. And also... So many people saw them, and there was more than one because people would see them in different parts of the UK and Northern Ireland, as it turns out, in Ireland, different times. Um, but what these um, reporters did for two newspapers in in England, um, one reporter said, "Okay, I see it now, and it's heading in your direction." And so that reporter just started a stopwatch, and yeah. he saw, "Okay, when it came over, 
his location, okay, and the clock did it over 300 knots. Okay, wow. that is unbelievably fast for a lighter than air ship. That's a really strong wind. If that, yeah, and, and that's a weird thing that you mentioned that because, you know, one of the reasons, you know, one of the many reasons why it couldn't have been a zeppelin was number one, they were just using them as tethered flight test at that point. Right. But the, during the time that it happened, which was kind of like the spring of 2009, the prevailing winds in the in the uh, English Channel would make balloon travel impossible to go over the English Channel. You'd uh, wind up in Portugal somewhere, you right, know. So, right. okay. So anyway, so, so lots, it couldn't have been that. Couldn't have been that. Lots of people saw these things. Um, they used to exhibit the same kind of behavior, which was kind of odd. Um, enormous, black, huge ships. But they had very powerful searchlights down the bottom of them. And it seemed like they were looking for something on the ground, as crazy as that sounds, because a lot of people just assumed they were German spy ships. Right. Why would you, you know, call attention to yourself with these like, powerful beams, you know? And also, there were reports of what we would call men in black, like maybe a couple days later, you know, that they would see men in black hanging around where people, you know, saw one of these ships. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so. Uh, on the th- ground? Uh, yeah, walking around the ground as if looking for the you know, parts of the ship that might have you know, fallen off or something uh-huh. like that. I think there were some cases where people actually saw them getting into these ships, you know, and they were in black leather jackets, you know, very German, you know. So, uh, or is that, that's what people <laughs> used to German. say, you know. So, anyway, like military. So, Ross, how was how was that for a uh, thumbnail of the scare uh, ships? That's pretty good. I've, I've obviously uh, um, I've read a lot about this, of course. Um, the one real money quote for me is coming from a policeman, a police constable uh, named P.C. Kettle uh, in the city of Peterborough, Cambridgeshire, in the eastern half of England. Uh, on the night of the 23rd of March, 1909, he saw a most unusual sight. Quote, a strange cigar-shaped craft passing over the city. Uh, but his story was corroborated to an extent by other witnesses, uh, and they saw something similar two nights later, and without ex- with few exceptions, they all spoke of a torpedo-shaped object possessing two powerful searchlights, yeah. which comes out at night. And uh, this was, of course, well in advance of, um, I mean, 1909, all the powerful airships in the world were all German, and... Uh, uh, Count Frederick von Zeppelin, of course, sure. was uh, building these in a, uh, in, to some effect in Germany. Um, but despite the fact that the um, Anglo-German animosity was building, as you say, only five years ago to the outbreak of the war, and Erskine Childers had written his seminal uh, predictive work of uh, World War called The Riddle of the Sands, Highly recommended, by the way. Mac. The Riddle of the Sands. The Riddle of the Sands. And uh, not as good as the Wingman series, but still very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I I would suggest that the, these were uh, possibly uh, uh, being used either to intimidate or you know, reconnaissance, whatever. But the, the scare ship um, wave... The earlier wave in in America is started in the Midwest, uh, in northern Illinois, for example. Um, th- this was only the start of a huge airship scare that was worldwide. You know, uh, some of these objects were viewed as far away as New Zealand. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, this this was a startling, very similar phenomenon. looking to the from, from the ones in yeah, the UK. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's there are. Photographs published in a newspaper, United States newspapers of the day, showing 
what appear to be torpedo-shaped objects and very large propellers underneath mm. um, this kind of thing um, in the San Francisco newspapers. So without a doubt, people actually were recorded as offering food and drink to the inhabitants who descended in a little cable car or whatever, uh, or interacting with them. Uh, it is an amazing phenomenon. They but were viewed... None of them landed, though, anywhere, did they? Uncertain. I mean, they were reported in Russia in 1892 and 1912 to 3. The U.S. had its first bash in 1896 to 7, and then all the way through, and indeed in World War One, Canada, same time. South Africa, 1899. The list goes on. France, Denmark, New Zealand, Australia, Sweden, yeah. Belgium, Netherlands, Germany, Romania, Austro-Hungary at the time, and Norway. And it, it begs the question... What were they? Uh, it, it's just amazing. You know, and as Max said, this is the first sort of pre-UFO UFO, as you might say. There was one, no... one, one, one made a good point earlier when he said <laughs> when he said that <laughs> these sightings throughout you know the last several hundred years always seem to presage what is going to be the technology within the next 10 to 60 years. years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Example being the V-shaped air, uh, UFOs. Uh, and then what happens with the stealth aircraft and so forth. I, I, I find that particular aspect really interesting. Yes, indeed so. Uh, and indeed, um, unusual modes of propulsion that hadn't occurred mm -hmm. at the time. Um, you know, the idea of uh, an aerial, a lighter than aerial like the air aerial vehicle being propelled in such a fashion as to such speeds. Mm -hmm. um, yes, it, it really is. Um, I would recommend um, Scare Ships Over Britain, the airship wave of 1909 in 14 studies published in 1999 uh, on the 1909 uh, wave and also um, the Scare Ship a survey of worldwide Phantom Airship Scares, mm -hmm. 1909-1918, published in 2000. Both of these are solid mm -hmm. and, you know, worthy of, of a good read, Matt. What, what could they have been, Ross? Well, it might have been uh, advanced German versions of the airship. Um, th there was uh, uh, a particular case where a huge... Um, uh, piston or type of piston uh, weighing uh, over 30 pounds was found uh, near mm -hmm. Clacton-on-Sea in Essex. Mm -hmm. Up on the cliff. Uh, yeah, stamped with the words Muller Bremen Fabric. Wow, it doesn't sound um, Irish to me. No, this was taken to me there was a factory in Bremen, Germany. Okay. And apparently the British War Office uh, was reported to have confiscated it. Mm -hmm. uh, the, and nobody knows what happened to that. And wasn't that, it was actually some part of an anchor or something and they, they found it like at a, on a cliff like about 3,000 well, feet of... Well, it's described as piston-like. Oh, okay, so yeah, that, right. that was interesting. So, but, um, yeah. but strangely enough, the Germans have never got any records to mm -hmm. back this up in the Bundeswehr archives. There, and, there are and, no records of, of these type of flights. And, and they're known for, you know, keeping records of just about everything. So wouldn't there be something, wouldn't there have been some evidence after World War One that they had these type of airships if they were theirs? Uh, well, it would be apart from the fact that many records were destroyed in the near civil war between um, what were the, the right-wing soldier movements and 
the uh, communists in, in Germany mm -hmm. at the time. Okay. Uh, that was, as you know, almost a, a, a flat-out civil war mm -hmm. in 1918, end of 1918 mm -hmm. into 1919. Um, what do you think they were filled with? What's the airbag filled with? Do we talk about that? You've, you've got two choices at this stage. Okay. Uh, one of which is hydrogen, mm -hmm. and the other one is helium. But since the United States had almost a, a complete monopoly on helium as a byproduct of gas oil drinking, okay. drilling, mm -hmm. um, and indeed they used that as a sort of an economic weapon uh, to fill... Um, uh, forced the Germans to use hydrogen later on, hence the Hindenburg disaster. Mm -hmm. Right, very um, flammable. I, I think that, um, yeah, it, it's it's a toss-up, really. Right. Uh, I I would um, point you, uh, it, what, 1909, though it was the height of a sort of uh, thing in Britain, mm -hmm. yep. I'd point you at an incident in Sheerness in Kent, again, the eastern part of uh, the UK, so southeast in this case, mm -hmm. in October 1912. Uh, where strong engine sounds were heard traveling well overhead. Wow, that's weird. And that led directly <laughs> to questions being asked in the British Parliament. Right, right, yeah. What so, was going yeah, on? It's, it's amazing. Um, it simply is. Switch, you must have a question. Well, I just wonder, I, I know there was a, a strange event covered in uh, 1924, one of these strange craft. Uh, mm -hmm. John Keel stump, stumbled on it uh, in West Virginia, and right. the, the occupants were... Uh, had you know we had Asian features and so forth. Uh, the point is, there was sort of a, a man in black type uh, mm -hmm. connection with it, where they one of the witnesses picked up an, uh, some kind of an item from the crash, and uh, you know they they took off and disappeared, of course. Uh, but uh, somebody came knocking on his door late at night to pick it up. Are there any hints of any kind of uh, men in black style, even though men in black is kind of a generic term? Any any hints of something like that with these uh, scare ships? Some some of the occupants are described as as being as looking Japanese, wow. right? Um, and, and some of them had uh, darker features. So there, there's definitely what you might call an MIB element in there, um, uh, or a fear of the other, so to speak. But it's just the sheer um, what you might call social impact with people becoming very. Um, scared of what was happening and describing similar occurrences throughout the globe for, for uh, many years. Uh, see, what really kind of interests me about these airships is that, you know, it's almost like they came from a different time, a different universe. And it's, it's like the same with the ghost flyers of Sweden that we were talking about and the ghost rockets. You know, the, the technology that people see, it isn't that startling. It just seems like it's a little bit out of phase, if you know what I mean. And, and the fact that they that they come and they go, especially like the ghost flyers where so many people saw them, and, and they even had airplanes chasing them and everything, and then all of a mm. sudden they were gone. And, mm. you know, you would need you know, a large logistic situation to handle airplanes as big as what people saw in 1933 going over Sweden, you know what I mean? The, but it's yeah, never found. Yeah. You there's saw more than one at a time? Grenade I'm yeah. going to throw into Three the or four in formation? Wow. Yes, yeah, yeah, go ahead, please. In the two minutes we have um, left. Rudyard Kipling's story with the Night Mail was published in 1905. Okay. This is an advance of some of the scares. Yes. And it's published in the United States in McClure's magazine and later in um, uh, the United Kingdom in Windsor magazine. It describes in great detail 
the use of airships for international travel. That's what it's called, with the night mail. Mm-hmm. And it, it was so accurate in the predictions that it mm-hmm. gave, with, other than it has science fiction uh, elements to it, mm-hmm. um, that the crew of the R-34 airship, the British airship that crossed the Atlantic in both directions, okay. had a copy with them. They all, the crew all signed it and gave it to Kipling and described how <laughs> cool. accurate his predictions were. Well, that's so wild. somebody reading this in 1905, mm-hmm. you know, um, both sides of the Atlantic could have been influenced to look out for things like this. But but they would still see them, you know, whether they read that or not. I mean, are, are people really yeah. seeing these things or is it something that's in someone's mind's eye? Difficult. Yeah. Um, but certainly if um, both that story and his... Uh, wonderful thing, uh, as easy as ABC, which stands for the Aerial Board of Control, mm-hmm. which was published later, uh, which I recommend to everybody, by the way, both of those stories, show Kipling as an excellent science fiction writer. Yep. Um, and it, it shows the, the obsession almost with certain elements of the population, with airships and air travel in general. Right. Uh, yeah. in, the, in the minute we have left... Uh, um it, what's interesting too is that you know the people back then seem to be seeing, as I say, it's technology that is not quite theirs. Okay, like for instance, people aren't seeing airships now; they're seeing Tic Tac UFOs. You know what I mean? So it's right. almost like you see something that's almost close to the era in which you are living, but it just doesn't quite match. You know, the scareships over mm-hmm. England in 1909. Hey, uh, hey, listen, Ross Sharp, thank you for joining us and classing <laughs> up the joint, okay? <laughs> Talking about the scareships. Pleasure. And pleasure, uh, everybody. Thank also, you. the People's Mosquito Project, you want to just uh, tell people where they can find that? www.peoplesmosquito.org.uk so when, and enjoy yourself with all the lovely color videos yes, on there. My my wife loves the teddy bear. We got the little teddy bear. You got the teddy bear. Oh, oh yeah, well done, one one. Yep. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. well, that was that was Mac. Get really with it. Buy Mac, the wooden. Max got the teddy bear. The right? wooden mosquito <laughs> <one>. <laughs> That was Max saying I, that. But I got Lois Lane. Yeah, I was going to say, did you get a teddy bear for Lois Lane? Son of a. Wow, anyway. Rush, thanks I, I very much. I diverted your attention with the teddy bear. Thank you. Okay, well done. Well done. Bravo. <laughs> thanks, guys. Yeah, all right, it's thanks. And, and come back on when you can uh, talk about more of your news, okay? Two weeks' time, Mac. Okay, excellent. Let's all give right, a round of applause, please. All right. Rush, shop. See you on Route 9. Sounds great. Okay, man. See I'd you make later. 16. There you okay, go. 16. 16. Okay. Thank you, Rush, shop. Wowee. Man, that, that guy's cool. He knows more about so many things than he we does. do. Especially about the Boeing story. Yeah, yeah, I know. See, that's scary, man, because that's the kind of stuff that goes on. We're kind of like their beta testers, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If it works, it works. If not, so a couple crash reviews. Do you know where the world's most secret bases are located? Do you know what spooky action at a distance means? Is there a conspiracy by aliens to prevent us from conquering space? And where is the best place in the United States to see a real UFO? Find the answers to all these questions and more in Mac Maloney's new book, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Visit places you never knew existed. The Hampton Tunnels of Tokyo, the UFO Trail in South America, Ong's Hat, and the very mysterious M Triangle. Mac Maloney Haunted Universe contains hundreds of reports on ghosts, haunted planes and ships, weird celebrity deaths, mysterious sounds, and a breakdown of every monster in America, state by state. 
You've heard him talk about it on the radio. Now get all of Max Paranormal Research in one large volume. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe with a forward by the very famous Juan Juan. On sale now in your local bookstore or on Amazon.com. Maloney's Montrax on our show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. What a show we have for you tonight. Uh, we got 10 more minutes to go of uh, fun girls in the studio with us tonight. The very famous Juan Juan is Hello, here. Hello, girls. Hello, Mac. So exciting. He's coughing. Uh, also, uh, Switchblade Steve Ward Sorry. up there in um, Battle Creek, Michigan, the Bowl of Flakes, our national correspondent. Hi, everybody. Okay. He had a big bowl Hi. of Frosted Flakes today. Uh, that was on AP Newswire. Also, um, Agent X is here, the man who works for the agency that works for the agency. Hello, and welcome to the extra bonus. There you go. What do you? Tra- what what happened? Was that Bob the he, ghost? He did it. <laughs> okay, He's, everyone's putting a one on. Also on the sh- on the uh, phone with us. Sound effects is our good friend Ross Shav, a friend from across the puddle. How are you doing there tonight, Ross? We are having fun. We are. Right? Is that what this is? Okay. Right. Oh yes. <laughs> it's it's hard listen to recognize to one sometimes. One, yes. Oh, listening to one one all of a sudden, right? Yeah, you know, the funny. class he brings to the show is just yeah. uh should have been, been with us last Friday. You'd see how funny he was last Friday. <laughs> anyway, so we're just gonna um talk for about ten minutes on, you know, anything, uh any kind of subject and we one of our favorite subjects is like weapons of the future, the kind of technology that's gonna be, you know, in, in place, not in twenty years, not in ten years, but in like two or three years. And one of my favorite weapons is this thing called the rail gun. And basically yes. it's an electromagnetic cannon. Uh, they're putting them on uh, Navy ships, mm-hmm. and it's going to shoot a projectile. If you can imagine, it, it has no—I uh, might be wrong—but it has no um, no charge in it. Okay, it's just simply a, 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 a rod of iron or um, probably, it's a kinetic kill weapon. Yeah, right. There's it, no explosive material. Yeah, there's no explosive material. It no. hits its target so quickly mm-hmm. that um, the, just the kinetic force destroys it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, it also shoots this, um, it looks like an arrow in a way, you know, but much larger. And I think it goes a mile a second or something. Is that right, Russ? Uh, 5,200 feet per second. Hmm. Uh, it's approximately Mach 5. Uh, you got wow. acceleration exceeding 60,000 G, believe it or not. So 60,000 G. There's a good line. <laughs> now, just to show you the, the you know, the... Um, the technology that is kind of closer to, close to this, and I might be wrong about this too, but apparently MRIs are also electromagnetic magnets. Okay? Right, yeah. And yes. I know someone in the biz, and they took a, just I guess goofing around, and this is probably what you shouldn't be doing if you're running an MRI clinic or whatever. They took a golf ball, mm-hmm. and they threw it inside oh. the thing, and it went through six inches of uh, cement block. Okay, it, it expelled it at really? such a speed that it went literally through the wall. Wow. Okay. So yeah. that's the kind of forces we're, we're talking about. And oh, I mean, uh, go yeah. ahead, please. I go mean ahead, let's put it this way. Um, you, the kinetic energy is so fast, right, that after penetrating a one-eighth inch thick steel plate, the projectile still travels an, an extra 4.3 miles downrange. How crazy is wow. that? 
outrageous. Oh, Hardly so, slowed it, it down. It, it's interesting, no, though. They, 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 the basic principle has been around for a while. The mm-hmm. Sabre round in tanks mm-hmm. is basically oh. the same principle, not the same propulsion system, obviously. Right, right. But it's we a relatively small back. arrow-shaped uh, projectile right. that is small, but... Uh, has a very nasty effect. Right. If it gets yeah. through the the uh, the skin of the tank and and you know actually gets into the crew compartment, it's hitting with such force that you precisely know, they usually yeah. you know yeah. kill the crew. But the other, oh, go ahead, please, Ross. So I, I mean, mean, this goes way back, gentlemen. Eighteen eighty one. Wow. James Richard Haskell patented an accelerating gun, i.e., multiple chambers inclined off the main chamber of the gun. Um, and Lyman and Haskell did in 1883, uh, 1892, uh, alternating chambers either side of the main bore. Um, everyone's heard of the V1 and the V2, okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. Not so super weapons. heard of the V3. Mm, okay. Right, okay. Um, German code were Tausendfussler, yes. which means millipede in German. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, hence, you know, the uh, little alternating chambers either side. These, of course, were fixed, and uh, it was designed to bombard London and other fixed targets, primarily London, um, with uh, just a ma- massive barrage of high-explosive shells. Mm-hmm. And um, fortunately, fortunately, the uh, inst- installation in France... At Valenciennes was destroyed, uh, ironically, by um, Royal Air Force Lancaster, the 617 Squadron, carrying 12,000 pound tall boy bombs. Wow, man. 12,000. These were, <laughs> these were invented by one of my heroes, hero engineer, uh, Sir Barnes Wallace, the same guy who invented the Dam Busters yes. rotating mine. Yes, yes. And the first swing wing supersonic aircraft, by the way, which oh, wow. didn't get built. Um, but these literally penetrated deep into the concrete and ruptured it by exploding upwards. The original um, Moab. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah. exactly. They, um, the, these V3s were, were going to fire something called the Spramgen Granat 4481, uh, which are around about eight feet high at the rate of one every six seconds. Wow, gentlemen. wow, really? So oh. this, fortunately, because it was so huge, and because obviously the French resistance were keeping an eye on this, um, uh, literally uh, uh, was blown blown to pieces mm-hmm. by the by the Royal Air Force. Wow, I I know that they had the Germans had like you know more weapons kind of like in in the in the waiting line. You know they just never got to some of the stuff they used to do. Would they you wanted to do a coal fired jet interceptor. Wow, on coal, <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, coal fired, <laughs> yeah, fuel, lipish. Had this triangular uh, shape, very like certain triangles, Mac, with a triangle, huge triangular fin in which the cop, the uh, pilot sat, and they used pulverized coal mm. uh, as the explosive in, in in the rocket chamber. Sounds with dangerous. Hammers to pulverize it. I mean, if you look at the number of times that um, uh, flour mills have exploded and mm-hmm. textile mills have exploded, it's because they contain extremely finely dispersed. Highly ignitable material in air, and right. that forms an explosive mixture. Right. Hence, the Germans running out of conventional fuels, but hey, powder coal and air will work just nicely. Yeah, Thank right. Yeah. It's like having a steam-powered airplane or something. And and they. Oh, Hiromaxin did that, by the way. Oh, they, but it was yeah, right. to the ground. Wow, yeah, look, look at that. They carry a lot of water. Mm-hmm. 
Really? Yeah. Um, wow. So in the in the uh, minute and a half we have left, I just want to ask you this: getting back to the real gun and the fact that this it's an electromagnetic, as you say, kinetic weapon, but it takes a lot of power, and that's what they're working on now. That you have to put a lot of power, let's say, on a ship, to actually propel this. You know, this piece of uh, uh, imagine it's probably what made it a steel, or platinum, or something. Ross, would you say? Uh, yeah, usually it's going to be uh, tungsten hardened or depleted okay. uranium will work nicely. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, right, yeah. With so a, the, the appropriate the ship dry depleted uranium, depleted uranium, yeah. Depleted uranium. Titanium, yeah. So do you yeah, see? Uranium, yeah. Do you see like in ten years, uh, fifteen years, you know, this being um, actually worked down to being in a manageable weapon that would be on fighter planes and stuff like that, like. Instead of yeah, shooting bullets, they're shooting I mean, things. University of Texas at Austin, the Center for Electrodynamics, uh, sorry, Electromechanics, I mustn't insult UT, um, are developing military railguns capable of delivering tungsten armor-piercing bullets wow. with the kinetic energies of 9 megajoules. That's enough energy to deliver a 4.5-pound projectile at 1.9 uh, miles per second, right? Can you imagine and, uh, getting hit with yeah. stuff like this? Uh, I mean, yes, these things are coming. <laughs> Naval surface war, well, I can say the Navy's surface war or uh, warfare center. Mm -hmm. um, my friend uh, Agent X will know the Dahlgren division. That's there you sure. go. All right. He's, he's yeah. nodding that he um, knows. Are we not going any further at this point, gentlemen? Sorry. <laughs> so, right. Hey, well, listen, now we're at the end of this extra bonus footage, as they say in the film business, but not in the radio biz. Uh, talking to our good friend Roshov um, on uh, different kind of weapons of the future. Ross, uh, thanks again for joining us, classing up the show. Of My course. pleasure, as always, always gentlemen. Anytime. Really appreciate it. Uh, Switchblade, Steve Ward is on the phone. Switchy, thanks for joining us tonight. It's great to be here tonight. Okay, all right. And also, we want to thank Coco, uh, Commander Cobra, who um, called in earlier, was with us for half the show. Also, Megan Ragan uh, for I joining us. I miss the Commander. I'm gutted. We all do. <laughs> Cover me gutted. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't really that good tonight, so he didn't miss anything. <laughs> okay. so. By the way, he's a life member of the People's Mosquito Club. By oh, I'm, I'm glad. Did he get a teddy bear? Yeah. No, no, did he? No. Okay, no. Uh, also, what kind of swag do you get for being a life member? You should see the badge. You get a ride in okay. the plane. Mm -hmm. The funny thing that you said the German version of the mosquito was M-O-S-K-I-T-O, which is correct. Yes. That's a German way to say it. Well, but the vast majority of Germans would say Mürke. Oh, but Mürke, when right. it sounds as cool as well, mosquito. You can, tell it's the <laughs> end. you can tell it's the end of the show. Uh, Agent X, thank you for joining us. Thanks, we really appreciate having it. having me, as always. Uh, one, one, uh, thanks for joining us. My and, pleasure, you know, Rowing the boat. And uh, thank you, everyone out there, for uh, listening in. Uh, so this is Mac Maloney for... Uh, the entire gang, until you hear us next week or the next time you hear us, be safe, be happy, and bye-bye. <laughs>